And now, introducing the unhappiest man in America with the announcement that baseball is back because there will no longer be a runner on second in extra innings. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. He is Glenn Clark. Yeah, obviously. Good morning. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Glenn Clark, Paul Valley, the whole crew's here as a young... Oh, not young Jordan. Lil Jordan, sorry. Does young Utes, but he's Lil Jordan. And Papa Cass is here. And yes, there is obviously one huge story that we have to talk about today on the program. Cass saw there's something about Mary. Yeah! We'll talk about that. We will definitely talk about that. I promise you. I'm very proud of you, Cass. I feel Thank almost you. I feel almost like a father right now. I feel like I'm, I'm one step ahead of little Jordan. You are. You have taken a step forward. Uh, we will get to that, I promise. I'm very excited about it because I'm, I'm really excited about it because it went exactly as I knew it would, which is despite the fact that it's a little bit older than her, Cass walked in and was like, oh my God, it's so funny. I know. I know. It is perfection. It is as good of a comedy as has existed in the last 30 years. All right. Um, maybe Superbad's slightly better, but it's close. It's really, really close. Um, it is a Friday edition of the program. Yes, we're going to talk a lot of baseball today. Uh, Jordan is not in the camera shot. We need to fix little Jordan's camera. Oh, it's, uh, it's definitely, it got, it got all over the place. It was sort of like my lazy eye there. <laughs> it was wandering around. Um, in a few minutes, we had already scheduled before baseball came back that we we're going to chat with Bo Smolka because there's a lot going on in Ravensland. Um, they made some moves this week, and of course, free agency officially gets underway next Wednesday. So we'll preview that with Bo here in a few minutes, and then later on this hour, we will be joined by Bob Nightingale, of course, one of the uh, more significant national baseball reporters, USA Today. We will uh, cover the official return of baseball. The truth is, like. The actuality of it, them getting their act together and getting the deal done, I'm trying to say it the nice way possible, this kind of all makes sense to me. They, They waited until there was an actual deadline, which is how do we make sure we can still play all 162 games? Boy, amazing how they canceled all of those games, huh? Really remarkable how that was definitely a thing, and we didn't brainlessly share that and I'm not calling out, you know, if, if you're not, if you're somebody on Twitter, you can do whatever you want to do. But there were legitimate media sources who just brainlessly kept saying that baseball was canceling games. Which there should have been immediate skepticism to the first time, but particularly after you knew it was utterly bogus when they tried to give the games back and then canceled more of them. There would should have been a place for you to say something along the lines of MLB says they're canceling games, but as we all know, that's not real. Oh yeah, the uh, the the headline on MLB Network on Wednesday night was MLB postpones season till April fourteenth, and I'm sitting there, I'm like. They're still working on these negotiations. They get something done tomorrow. Why do they have to cancel well, any of those? Games? I mean, MLB Network makes a little bit more sense because you know, like they work for the commission, right? You know what I mean? Like they kind of—that's who employs them. They kind of right. have to to tow the company line. But independent media sources who know that canceling games wasn't real, we knew that. It wasn't just me speculating. I speculated that months ago, but we knew. Because they had literally already attempted to reschedule the games. 
and we still just brainlessly threw this word around because we've given up hope. There's no critical thinking any longer when it comes to reporting. We just regurgitate whatever someone says. As I said, when s- there was a, a listener who was trying to fight with me about this. I said, I tell you what, if... Um, if uh, what's her what's the girl's name Jen Psaki goes to the uh, the podium in the White House and says gas prices are two dollars a gallon, should the reporters there just report that or should they critically say, well that's not true? <laughs> like we I don't know where we're lost in that we think we should just regurgitate what someone says without an ounce of criticism. Journalism is supposed to include criticism. We're supposed to be capable of saying, no, that's not a thing. And I'm not just, I'm not isolating Jen Psaki. I don't think she has come out and tried to say that gas was only $2 a gallon. <laughs> I'm sure she's gotten plenty of things wrong. They'll, everybody in that role has said plenty of things that were not true over the years, no matter what team you're on, no matter which party you're aligned with. Plenty of people make things up, and it was supposed to be the job of the journalist to step in and say, no, that's not accurate. That's not a thing. That's incorrect. That's you just trying to say something. And when Rob Manfred was announcing it canceled games, it was never accurate. It was posturing. It was trying to puff your chest out and say, well, you're not going to take what we want, and we're going to cancel your games. It was never going to happen. Again, short of getting to a point where they just the, the calendar wouldn't have allowed for 162 games to, been, to have been played. I'm glad that there will be baseball. I'm glad. I know that there are people that were starting to actually genuinely get antsy about whether or not there would be baseball. Like our buddy Andrew Stecka admitted he was starting to get actually antsy about whether or not there will be baseball. I'm glad there will be baseball. That alone is a very good thing. Then you start diving into the deal... And yes, the thing that I am most worked up about is the extra inning thing. No question about it. It's insane. It is bat-ass nuts. And when we talked to Bob Nightingale, I need to know who wanted this. Like, which side thinks that the sport is better off to have 16 inning games where everyone walks up and strikes out for an hour and a half? You eventually get to a point where the last guy on your roster is asked to pitch and you're going to have to make three roster moves tomorrow because of it. You don't make any more money in the process because you shut down beer sales at the stadium hours ago. The place is emptied out because it's 12.30 in the morning, and the people airing the games can't sell more commercials. They're just bonusing and giving commercials away to keep the broadcast going. Who decided that's something we needed back in baseball? I'm desperate to know which side it was that think that that is benefiting the game instead of the product that gave us baseball, where there was action, where you couldn't get up from your seat to even go pee because you knew something was happening. I'm desperate to know who thought that needed to go in favor of crap extra innings again. I get it. I... I, I have fought with people about this. I thought I was going to hate it too. I was also reluctant to change. Those of you that are still fighting about it aren't fighting about the quality of the product because you know you can't fight about the quality of the product. The extra inning rule that they implemented was the best product we've had in years. The other way is a horrendous product. It's 
awful. It's unwatchable. Everybody wants to end the game with a home run, so they all it, baseball has become all home runs, and it gets worse in the extra innings because you just think you could swing the ball, swing the bat one time, and end the game. It's terrible. It's unwatchable. It ain't baseball. But we don't like change. I, I compared it yesterday to hazing. We know that the extreme forms of hazing are bad. It, it's not something... We shouldn't be sticking broomsticks in places. That's bad. We have brains, and we know that. But because it's existed for decades upon decades, we conditioned ourselves to thinking it was good or necessary. No broomstick ever needs to be shoved into any orifice at all. Ever. But when we started to combat hazing two decades ago, we literally got pushback over it. Not because it was a good idea, because we were used to it. Because it was what we did. You're pushing back about the extra inning thing, not because it's good. It sucks! It sucks! You're romantic about some night where you stayed up until 4 a.m. watching a game on the West Coast. It benefited no one. They were tired drivers getting into their cars and probably causing accidents on the way home. The product is terrible. I cannot fathom why they want that back. And which side that wanted it back. I just, I'm befuddled by why this is good for anybody. If the answer is, well, yeah, it was either we do this or we're not, we don't get baseball back, like, sure, okay, I hear you. I'd rather have baseball back than not. But why? <laughs> why? Why are people desperate for crap extra innings baseball instead of a really good product? I am so, I'm lost when it comes to that. And I can't get a legitimate answer to it. I hope that Bob Nightingale has one for me because I can't figure it out to save my my ass here. Um, we'll have to see how these other things go. I maintain, I don't think they've done enough. Although, I still don't think, have we gotten de- definition on what the draft pick compensation would be for a team that puts a player on their roster on opening day and they not, end up... Not yet. I, I just keep seeing the words draft picks. Mm-hmm. I, until I know what that is... Because I've seen people hypothesize that this should drive the Orioles to want to have Adley Rutschman on the opening day roster. But until I know what that actual compensation would be, I'm going to continue to disagree. I, I don't think, in, unless we're, again, if we're talking about a com- the opportunity to get a compensatory first-round pick, that definitely seems like it would be enough to say, all right, let's roll the dice and see if we can't. Do something with this. Let's let's roll. The, let's let's go ahead and, and try it and see if we can't come away with another first round pick, another top fifty pick. How many compensatory first round picks are there? Uh, I, I think it differs from year to year, depending on. Um, no, I'm trying to see. If I can depending pull on up. like what free agents signed and whatnot. The the, the uh, sometimes it goes like all the way to thirty seven or thirty eight. Okay, so but that's uh, you're being guaranteed a top forty to forty five pick, right? Depending on how many teams success. Well, I mean, we we know, so you have to finish in the what top five of rookie of the year, or top three of 
Cy Young or top three of MVP voting or something like that. So at most, there's one or maybe two teams that do this. So we're talking about a top 40 pick. If you're putting out there on the line the opportunity to add another top 40 pick, I could see a team saying, you know what, that might be worth rolling the dice for. But short of that, I'm just going to come back to I think it's a bad business decision to risk exposing a player to free agency a year earlier if your team's not any good. If the Orioles were in contention, it there would be enough there for me to say, yeah, it might make sense for Adley Rutschman to be on the opening day roster. But knowing they're not, what, how, would it be a, how would it be a good idea for them to put Adley Rutschman on the opening day roster? Well, still? Currently, they don't have any catchers on their 40-man roster. I understand that. Like, I'm going to guess that's going to change at some point. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine in the next few days. Uh, and that, that also still would not be the reason. I wouldn't... Boy, it's a far bigger problem as an organization if you're looking around saying, well, we don't, we don't have anybody else. We have to play him. We ha- that's a really bad place to be. I just can't fathom. I can't fathom still to this. And again, short of knowing it's a compensatory first that we're talking about, I'm really struggling. Maybe a second, but... I, for the Orioles specifically, I still wouldn't see it. I wouldn't see the chance at a compensatory second being worth the potential trade-off for losing a year of of eligibility or of service time. I, I can't see that. Jason Stark wrote an article for The Athletic um, that br- breaks down, uh, for people that don't know like the lingo and all that, it breaks it down to make it really easy to understand. So during the break, I'll, I'll see if I can dig something up in that article and Get you a more definitive answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I haven't seen it anywhere. I just keep seeing, I've, and I did a lot of work searching last night. I just kept seeing draft pick compensation. That's all I see. And, I, and I, I think that we do understand there were a few things that they just sort of agreed they would continue to work on mm-hmm. within this agreement. They just wanted to get it done so they could go ahead and get everybody reported to Florida and right. they're going to play spring training games next week and then they're going to have opening day on April 7th. So the Orioles were open the following Monday, and I, I guess they already know they're going to move that to an afternoon game against the Brewers. They just, for whatever weird reason, haven't announced that yet. I don't know why that's the case, but they already on the schedule shifted it to a TBA. So I think we all understand that opening day will be that Monday. Whatever, what's that? The, the, the 10th? 11th. The 11th, thank you. Yeah. Uh, right, they don't have a game on this. The 7th is a Thursday. They don't mm-hmm. have a game scheduled on that date. So they would play in Tampa on the 8th. And then they would be back for the 11th at home against Milwaukee, and presumably that being a 3 o'clock game and a traditional opening day vibe in Baltimore. Um, there is the news this morning that we're going to find out who's vaccinated and not, because if you go to Toronto, you are not allowed to go into the country without being vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So we're going to find that out this season, um, in, unless things change in Canada and they reverse that and... They have been far slower to reverse things than even like the most liberal cities in America. Like even DC released their vac- uh, mask van- uh, mandate last week. In Canada, they have been very slow to reverse COVID protocols. So I don't know that we should expect that anything is going to change in a month. And if that's the case, then when teams make a trip to Toronto, they're going to have to put players on. I think they they just had a they, they were going to create a new list that. You're not going to be able to go, and we're going to put players on that list. You're going to have to call some other guys up who are vaccinated for that series. And The then, fantasy football COVID IR. Yeah, it's sort of like that, honestly, except you don't have to have COVID in right. order to be on it. Like It's just if you're not vaccinated, you'll be put on this list. You won't make the trip to Toronto, and 
you know, for for good teams, they'll that'll cause consternation. The way that the Kyrie Irving thing has caused consternation for the Brooklyn Nets this season. Um, for good teams where those series matters, like imagine playing a critical series and not having some of your best players for that series because of it, right? Like again, I'm not here to have a conversation about any of this. It's just this is the reality of it. The reality of it is it of it is. If you choose to not be vaccinated now and you're a baseball player, you're not going to be allowed to play in Toronto and you could potentially hurt your team in the process by trying to make whatever stand you think you're making, which no matter what, cannot benefit you. I'm not, again, whatever you think you're saying, it's fine. There is no actual benefit to not being vaccinated. Save Vladdy Jr. isn't vaccinated. And he- well, yeah, it's a far bigger problem for t- the Toronto players. Yeah. Yes, for that organization, it's a far bigger problem because they play a lot of games in Toronto during the course yeah, of like the season. Yeah, like 81 of them. Yeah, half of them. It's a far bigger problem for them if they have unvaccinated players. Um, nothing else in particular that stands out to me as far as the impact. The understanding is that the draft lottery will, will indeed kick in next year, so the Orioles will maintain the number one pick in this year's draft, and then things will start setting up. These conversations we were having about, you know, again, do we ever get definition on what's a small market team and what's a large market team? These are questions that I'll ask Bob Knight. And I think we know that the Orioles are a small market team, and so for our interests, they will be measured that way, and they'll be allowed to be in the draft lottery two consecutive years, and then if there's a third year where they're bad again, they won't be able to be in the draft lottery anymore. Um, but we will get some of those uh, those things more defined when we chat with Bob Nightingale here in a second. Look, I'm I'm glad I'm glad baseball's back. It it impacts so many people in such a negative way. Downtown businesses, the people that work at the stadium, all of those things, and and that's a bummer. Um, nine inning doubleheaders returning. I'm, I, th- there was no reason for us to continue doing seven inning doubleheaders outside of COVID. Like, there was no reason why that needed to continue being a thing. A baseball game is supposed to be nine innings. If you're going to play a doubleheader, it should probably be nine innings long. So I'm fine with that. It's the extra inning thing that I'm worked up about. I am beside myself about the stupidity of the extra inning thing. I, I just, what are we doing? How can we realize how good a product is? And then, like, I just, I don't know who it benefits it definitely does not benefit the teams. I can't fathom how it benefits the players. I, I just don't know what part of that they want. They're not getting paid more if the game goes into extra innings. If you play a 16-inning game, you're not working an hourly rate as a baseball player. You're getting paid the exact same amount. Why are you inclined? Is it the pitchers? Are they putting up a stink because they were allowing an inherited runner to score? I mean, it wasn't counting against their ERA. I, I have no idea who could possibly have been in favor of going back to the old way of doing things, other than baseball overreacting to a bunch of, you know, old thinking fans that just don't like change. And why did you implement the rule in the first place if you were going to overreact to that? I don't, I don't get it. It worked. It was a great rule. It was the best thing you've done in forever. I'm so confused as to why they felt the need to change it. Today's show is brought to you by, of course, Live Casino and Hotel and the FanDuel Sportsbook, which is open. And in time for the start of the NCAA tournament, there will be 12 more 
24-7 self-service kiosks coming to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, which is a very good thing. So that will bring the total to 63. There will be 63 self-service kiosks available for you in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. We're going to be there. I thought we were doing Bo first. Are we doing Bob? Are we talking to Bob first? I thought we were talking to Bo first. <laughs> All right, we, whatever we need to do, we'll do it. I just thought we were talking to Bo first this morning. <laughs> what You tell me, Paul. Paul's the producer. Paul's maybe experiencing a galaxy. Paul got moment. so excited about baseball that he called the wrong guy first. You want to see if Bo can do later on? Um, we got yeah. Bob Nightingale right now. Let's talk to Bob Nightingale. <laughs> Baseball's important. All right. I apologize. We're doing things out of order. Uh, we were talking baseball, and so let's continue to talk. The man who's been really at the forefront of all the reporting about the uh, lockout and now the end of the lockout. He is, of course, a longtime friend of ours and one of the best baseball writers in the country. You follow him on Twitter, at B. Nightingale. He is USA Today's Bob Nightingale, and he's back with us on the show. Bob, it's Glenn and Paul. Sorry we called you a little bit early, but thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Yeah, no problem. I, I imagine you are quite busy, so I really appreciate you taking time for us this morning. Bob, um, yeah. you know, as everything came through, did you, did you were you as convinced as everyone else that there was any risk that this wasn't going to happen? Or did you think, look, this was always projecting to getting something done in order to protect a 162-game season? Well, and they really wanted to have that 162. They figured, okay, get 162, the fans will forgive and forget. But when it uh, you know broke off two nights ago, it's like, my guy, you're that close, and really letting the international draft you know stop this thing from happening. Then at least you know they got smart, said, okay, let's get a compromise. So once they had the compromise yesterday morning, then I felt, okay, it's got to happen. The numbers are so close. I was I was very surprised the executive subcommittee you know, was so against it, and they almost, you know, sabotaged it, but it just showed you that the difference of uh, opinions where the, a lot of the, uh, you know, richer players, uh, more accomplished players were on that board, and there's so many young players out there saying, wait a minute now, my minimum salary just got raised to 130000 uh, you know, there's a $50 million bonus pool now if you're not eligible for arbitration. So the young guys got taken care of uh, very well in this deal. Yeah, you know, you bring up the international draft. We know it's coming, but we don't know all of the details. Do we have, like, a timeline for when it would happen or any sort of framework for what it might look like? Or do all we have right now is there's going to be an international draft at some point? Well, they have to decide. The players have to decide by July 25th. Okay. Uh, if they want to do it, if they do it, it won't start till 2024. Uh, you know, so you know, uh, such a divisive thing. You know, uh, about half the players want it, half don't. Uh, you know, some clubs want it, some don't. Uh, it'll be a 20-round draft. You know, just like uh, here in the uh, United States. Uh, you know, with uh, slot slot values and everything else. Baseball wants to do it to control things. You know, to stop having. The Bascones control, uh, you know, all the signings. Uh, stop, you know, twelve-year-old and thirteen-year-old kids signing and being exploited. They want to end all that. And then uh, on the other side, you know, as David Ortiz and Pedro Martinez have said, so, well, it could really hurt baseball in this country because, uh, you know, uh, you know, we don't we don't have the avenue of going to college. So baseball is everything. If they don't have these big bonuses, 
you know, maybe they stopped playing baseball. Interesting. And the draft did, did hurt the baseball popularity in Puerto Rico. So, you know, it's a thing. You know, and even, you know, among players, uh, a lot of land players say, you know, keep that in there, uh, you know, make good money. And, you know, a lot of American kids say, hey, I don't have a choice. I'm not a free agent when I'm 17 or 18. Whoever drafts me, I got to go. So, very divisive issue. Is it as simple, Bob, as like saying, hey, we're gonna, teams are going to spend the same amount of money that they would spend in an international signing pool on draft picks? And then, would, I, again, this is just a dumb guy question. Wouldn't that overcome the fear of there not being that bonus money anymore if the draft picks were getting the exact same amount of money that each team was plan- spending on their signing pool anyway? Yeah, they said they'll go up about, you know, even about 15%, uh, I mean, 20% normally. Uh, but what it does stop is, you know, we've seen it by a lot of uh, Cuban players. Right. The, it does stop the 60, 60 $70 million right. uh, players. You know, and, you know, how many busts are there? I mean, there's a lot of guys that sign, uh, not a lot, but there's certainly a lot of examples of guys signing for 50, 60, 70 million that never make it out of double A. He is, of course, Bob Nightingale. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Bob, I, I need you to explain to me. I am a guy that thought I would hate the extra inning rule, but like everybody else, why are you messing with baseball? Baseball's fine. Don't screw with it. And then I saw it, and it was the best product I've ever seen. It was incredible. I couldn't take my eyes away. I, I, I couldn't get up and go pee because I just knew that something was about to happen. There, You were getting real action instead of a bunch of guys going up and swinging for the fences for seven innings as the game dragged on until one in the morning. Why, why did this go away? Who wanted to go back to games where nobody is making any more money and they can just go on forever and you might have to make three roster changes tomorrow because of them? I think just out of baseball, you know, purity. Uh, these were designed, remember, because of COVID. COVID only. Uh, same with the seven-inning double hitters. You know, let's cheat the fans. That was ridiculous. Particularly if you have a you know split double hitter. They're both seven innings. That that made no sense. Uh, but yeah, those were strictly for COVID. Now I think what baseball is relying on. You know, I certainly get your point because you know in the past when the tenth thing rolls around, you know, ninety percent of the crowd is gone. Yeah. Okay, we've seen up baseball. Uh, it's not exciting over time. You know, like a uh, you know, NFL and, and NHL and NBA. Uh, but I think what they're relying on is the pitch clock coming in next year. The pitch clock should generate more offense. In the minors, batting averages were up about 30 points and will, you know, run more a game, that sort of thing. So I think they're relying on, you know, guys won't be swinging for the fences like they were, you know, all these past years. That will have normal extra inning games the way they were designed not, you know, marathons where you're bored out of your mind. I, I hear you, and I, I would throw in banning the shift in there as well. I, I guess the question, Bob, that I have, and this is the sense that I got in talking to people about banning the shift, do, do you really think it change, changes the natural outcome nature of baseball? It, it feels to me like, yeah, it'll be good for Joey Gallo that the shift will be banned, but it, it still feels like Joey Gallo's getting paid to hit home runs, and he's going up there trying to swing for home runs every time he goes to the plate. Like, do, do you really feel like even getting rid of the shift is going to change the natural outcome nature of baseball at this point? You know, I, I don't. And to your point, in the minor leagues, uh, it showed no difference whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, you know, how many balls we see, you know, routine ground ball at the second base, no one's there. You know, the pitcher kind of, you know, uh, rolling his eyes, like, what are we doing here? Uh, you know, it's. And you know, it's not really banning the shift, but restricting the shift. So what will happen is you have to have four infielders in the dirt 
uh, you know, as soon as he releases a ball, guys can run around like, you know, wild men. Right. So you're, you're still going to see, you know, some shifts, but just guys doing it on the fly. Uh, yeah, and to that to that point, I just don't think it's. I I get it. I actually, it's weird, Bob. I think this might be a necessary evil because we just we all acknowledge that people aren't changing their approach, and we want there to be more station to station baseball. We want old baseball to be back. I just don't know that it's going to drastically change any but anything. I think at this point, hitters are doing what hitters are doing. It's just sort of the nature. It's the old, you know, you don't walk your way off the island, right? Like it's it's guys are up there trying to hit home runs because that's what you get paid to do, and. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm, I'm hard pressed to imagine we're going to see some more Tony Gwynns popping up in the next few years. Yeah, I mean, one concept that was thrown around is like, okay, to uh, you know, encourage guys to beat the shift at, at the plate is, you know, if you bunt on two strikes, if you foul the ball off, uh, you know, you don't strike out. You still stay up there. You know, so more guys are bunt and two hmm. strikes to to end that whole hmm. shift. You know that got you knocked down, but you know that would be one way to beat it. But yeah, with these shifts and stuff, I mean, Tony Gwynn would have hit six hundred. You know, Ryan Carew <laughs> would have hit six hundred. You know, those guys could put the ball anywhere. No doubt. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't know why guys. It, you know, you see some guys. I think Anthony Rizzo was very good as far as you know beating the shift type thing. But yeah, become a better hitter. I mean, Don Mattingly always said that. I remember when he was uh, years ago, when he still managing the Dodgers. You know, we talked to him one morning about it. He goes, just become a better hitter. Don't right. worry about that stupid shift. Yeah, I, Bob, I'm telling you, 15 years ago or whatever it was when we first started seeing shifts and I'm doing this show and I'm like, look, we're going to have a generation of players going to come up and they're going to be adjusted to this and this isn't going to be that big of a deal 10 years down the road. And I was wrong. <laughs> I was drastically wrong about that. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we'll see. But, yeah, it, but it is interesting. The Maryland League it showed, firstly, zero difference. Yeah. In a batting average, runs per game, and all that. Bob, the the draft changes. Of course, this has been something that we've been dealing with in Baltimore. Is baseball tries to get ad- aggressive and and get rid of tanking and the benefits to it. So we know. It, it, is it confirmed that it's not going to go into place this year? Like, should we continue to assume in Baltimore that the Orioles have the number one pick in this year's draft? Yeah, this year's draft, correct. correct. Yeah. So, so then, after, yeah. So after two thousand three. Three draft, no, uh, different. So right. then, so, the the idea of the team can go into the the draft lottery twice consecutively. I'm assuming that also begins now. Like the the Orioles wouldn't be banned from being in the draft lottery next year because they've been you know one of the worst teams in baseball the last two seasons, right? Yeah, correct. Correct. Okay. So yeah, they can. Uh, yeah, won't apply to them at all this you know this year. Every, everything so, resets so, starting this year. Everything resets. Absolutely right. That's what yeah. I want to know. The other one that jumps out at me that's relevant here in Baltimore, Bob, is is do we know about what the draft pick compensation would be? So we're looking at um, you know this scenario, and, and in Baltimore, obviously Adley Rutschman's the name that jumps off the page, where there's going to be the possibility of of recouping draft picks if you put a player on the roster on opening day to start his clock, and then he ends up making the the top five in in rookie of the year voting and we all think that Adley Rutschman is that type of player that he could be that guy but we're still talking about the difference in 15 games for a team that's bad and the difference in a year's of of worth of service time so I I don't know what do we know what the draft pick compensation would be to try to entice the Orioles to make that decision to have Rutschman on the opening day roster versus 
you know, trying to create a secondary game where it's Adley Rutschman's first game. We sell a boatload of tickets for that, and we're guaranteed, no matter what happens, to protect a year's worth of service time for him. Well, that's the thing is you can't, you know, protect that service time. Well, you know, what if he still wins Rookie of the Year? Uh, the kid Wander Franco from uh, Tampa, what he finished second Rookie of the Year thing, and he came up late in June, so he would still get the full years of service. So, you know. Why, why bother keeping a guy down when you have a chance to win games, excite fans? That's fair. I, uh, I, I guess in the scenario where he has a good season, but he's just he's not quite a top five rookie of the year guy, right? Like, I, I guess my answer would be why doesn't the draft pick compensation need to be significant to mitigate whatever risk there is there of losing that year of service time? Yeah, I mean, some would get a uh, bonuses, but only you know, like the team get draft picks. Uh, but only if a guy, you know, finishes high in, in awards, you know, whether it's MVP, Cy Young, or in this case, rookie. So, yeah, I mean, really, it's the, uh, it's the Chris Bryant rule. They can call it whatever they want, but it's the Chris Bryant rule. And, uh, you know, he should have had a full years of service. Sure. He won rookie of the year. Sure. So, yeah, te- but teams will, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, teams will weigh that decision like, okay, uh, what's going to happen here? I mean, you, you, know, you hate to think that teams will start, you know, playing around, like, say he has a great, uh, great year, you know, after being up, um, after being down for 15 days, you know, then, you know, do teams start benching guys in September? Right, like, to, wait a minute now. to try yeah, to prevent them. Him, yeah, it's it's, it's a great point, which is why I think the draft pick compensation is, is so important, Bob, right? Like, if, if, if the draft pick compensation is you have a chance to earn a first-round compensatory pick, you know, that's a huge prize, right? Like, I absolutely think that you play along with that, but if... If the draft pick compensation is an eighth round pick, is is that something that that a team's going to care about? That they're going to uh, weigh that decision? Do we know yet exactly what that draft pick compensation could be? Yeah, uh, I know they discussed a bunch of scenarios. It was, it's, if I can remember right, it was like you know a second round pick, third round pick, you know, depending and that sort of thing. But but I, I will say. Uh, you know, no matter what the draft pick conversation is, and I know it was in there at some point, uh, not sure if it still is, is like I think it'd be so much scrutiny now of teams trying to manipulate the service time where maybe, you know, when the union goes to uh, agreements that they would win. Hmm. And I think MLB, I think MLB would kind of lay down too and say, you know what, they're, they're right. So, uh, they, they should be punished for this. That's all. I, I think, I that's think interesting. the scrutiny will be much higher. That's in, that's really interesting. That that it's almost like an unwritten rule. Like, look, we're this is what we're doing now. Just understand that this is the way it's going to work moving forward. Is there anything else to you that's particularly important for the average fan, Bob? That that like in some way baseball is changing because of the agreement that was put into place. No, I mean, I just think yeah. I mean, the money for the young guys is great. I do like the you know the six team. Uh, lottery thing, you know, where you don't guaranteed if there's a superstar out, you know, you know, not every, there's no, there's not a Bryce Harper, Steven Strasburg every year, you know, Nationals lucked out there, uh, those back-to-back years, but at least they'll prevent, I think, a lot of obvious tanking, and I, I think it does you know, raise a lot of awareness about fans, like, you know, like they're in Baltimore, I'm not going to tolerate it anymore, you know, I don't care that you came from Houston and worked in Houston, I don't care that worked for the Cubs, you know, try to, try to be competitive. Um, you know, remember the the, uh, the grievance and lawsuit by Major League ba- by the union toward MLB did not dismiss what happened in Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and the small market teams. Uh, you know, not not trying to win, so that that one that one never went away. 
So that one always hangs over, you know, people's head too. Uh, yeah, I think too, I just, if teams start, you know, not trying to win at all, I just think more than ever, it won't be considered a great economic or, or great uh, a strategic move, but more of an embarrassment to the franchise. I agree with that. All right, now before I let you go, uh, when's the part where the Orioles uh, spend $350 million on Carlos Correa now, Bob? Like, when's, when's, <laughs> when, do we, when do we get that announcement? <laughs> you know, I bet he would go for the top dollar, too, so he would go there. Uh, you know, every player wants to go to a, to a winner. I still remember the uh, 94, 95, you know, strike and lockout uh, where all the players were going, uh, were so happy with uh, Peter Angelos. They wasn't going to fill the replacement club. Say, hey, when I become a free agent, I'm going to Baltimore. I'm going to do this. I love Peter Angelos. But then, you know, when they became free agents, the Orioles weren't winning, so they still went somewhere else. Right. So you you, you got to win for teams to uh, or for players to want to go there. Yeah, or you got to spend a boatload of money, and it's just the type of thing that the Orioles have never done before. So I I hope that that changes in the future, Bob. But we will see. There's no doubt about it. At B Nightingale on Twitter is how you follow him, Bob. I know it's been an insanely busy week for you. I don't know if you've gotten any sleep, but I really appreciate you taking a couple minutes for us this morning to talk more about it. Thank you so much for doing it. Sure, my pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Bob Nightingale from USA Today, of course, one of the top national baseball reporters. I'm still very much at a loss for whether this means that Adley Rudgman should be on the Orioles opening day roster. Like, I still just – if the answer is it's a second and a third, like, that's good. That's that's. That's a good – you combine that with the likelihood that he's going to end up in the top five of rookie of the year voting anyway, you can absolutely make the argument it's the right thing to do. It's the <clears throat> right thing to do. If you can get a second and a third round compensatory pick and you feel like he's so good that there's a really high likelihood that he's going to finish that high in rookie of the year voting – I, I hear you. Well, I, also I hear th- you. I also think it's the right thing to do because you drafted him number one overall three years ago. He's now about to be 24 years I, old. I, he should be here. I would agree with that if we weren't talking about the difference in 15 games. Yeah. Like, we're talking about a two-week difference for a team that's not any good. I, I There was no argument for it before the CBA, right? Mm-hmm. Zero argument for it. There is just no world in which you could say it's the best baseball decision to have Adley Rutschman on the roster. Now, in in putting that baseball decision decision together, the first thing you're dealing with is, well, there's a chance that we wait two weeks to call him up and he ends up in the top five of the rookie of the year voting anyway, and we don't get that year back and we lost two weeks of time where Adley Rutschman could have been playing for us. So you start with that and you measure, do we think he's probably going to be in the top five of rookie of the year voting? There's a really good chance of that. If he stays healthy, the way that everybody assumes, what everybody assumes he is, he could do that. If you throw on top of that, and if he does, you're getting a second and third round pick back in exchange. Okay, he can be on the roster on opening day. I do think they should maybe put in a provision. Like, I, here's something. I, I'm not even kidding about this. The Orioles should say, like, he's going to be on the roster. His first game will be the second game of the season to try to create another crowd to come see Adley Rutschman, right? Like, mm-hmm. we'll put him on the roster, but we're announcing to you ahead of time He's not playing on opening day. Jesus Sucre, or whoever they end up finding to be their catcher, <laughs> is going to be their opening day catcher, and then he'll play tomorrow night. And you can come watch him tomorrow night and try to sell a little bit more tickets that way. I mean, from a business standpoint, that's what I would do. What are we doing? Is Bo coming on with us? Yeah, yeah Bo said he can do 10 for right. call him now. All right. Oh, we're going to call him now. We can, can we take a break? 
be good to take a break only because we're backed he, up. I, I think we should call him now. All right, very good. We'll take breaks tomorrow. That's what we'll do. We'll sleep when we're dead. That's the way things will go. Well, I do a fun part of the show where I say now it's break time and we just play all three of them back to back. You guys will stick around through that, won't you? Won't you? The content's going to be great on the other side, I promise. We're eating Cheetos on the other side. That's the way you're going to do it. Hey, know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Thanks again to Bob Nightingale. Appreciate him taking the time for us. Let's talk a little bit. uh, Let's switch gears. We will talk more baseball throughout the course of the morning, I promise. But uh, let's dip our toes into the world of the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, it's been a crazy week in the NFL. And the Ravens made a couple of moves in there. Free agency officially gets underway next week. Let's check back in with Ravens beat reporter for PressBox, our friend Mr. Bo Smolka, who's with us now here on GCR. Bo, what's going on, sir? How are you? Hi, I'm fine. Thank you. Um, not really all that surprising, any of the news we saw this week, right? And like, you know, Alejandro Villanueva, if he hadn't retired, I think we all know he wasn't going to be a Baltimore Raven. Um, and and the Tavon Young thing, it sort of comes down to the money. I know there are a lot of people that say, well, maybe they could bring him back at a lesser dollar figure. I, I, I don't know, but something tells me if they thought that was possible, Tavon Young, they would have already done it, right? Like, they Tavon Young wouldn't be hitting the open market if there was kind of a, a knowledge they were bringing him back at a lesser figure at this point. Yeah, I think both, you know, when I think for months now, when we talked not months, last couple months or so, we talked about where the Ravens might find dollars for this free agency pool. These were the two most likely spots. Villanueva at $6 million, a cap hit, and and uh, he retires, so they're, they save that. And then with Tavon, and, and probably wasn't going to be back, as you said, and Tavon Young, you know, he's a tough one because they really like him in the building. He's been, you know, popular. He won the Ed Block Courage Award from the team this year for coming back from all these injuries he's had. But, again, you're talking about saving almost $6 million, and that's real money that they need. And and to Tavon Young's credit, he was he was the only cornerback that played all 17 games this year. No one would have expected no that doubt. from Tavon Young no doubt. Uh, this past year. But you're right. I think if they were, you know, who knows? This summer, he still hasn't found a landing spot, right. and they work something out at a lesser right. value, sure. But I think he goes to the open market, and he sees what the value is for him, and the Ravens move on, and uh, they wish him well because, as I said, he is well-liked. I feel bad for the guy. I mean, he had one full year was lost to a non-contact torn ACL in the spring. And I go back to the people that were complaining about J.K. Dobbins playing it, he get hurt in the last preseason game, and sure, that can be debated. But keep in mind, Tavon Young tore his ACL with nobody around him, just catching a ball in, in, in a spring OTA practice a few years ago. So it can happen to anybody, anytime. Um, and of course, then he had the neck injury, then he had another knee injury. It's been a, it's been a long, tough road for him. So uh, as I said, he's well-liked in the building, and they will wish him well, but they end up saving almost you know, 11 plus million cap money with those two moves and that is real money oh no doubt about it i i do think there's more of a chance that say a chris westry could end up back in baltimore Bo. like that just because the number as a whole would be smaller and because you know i think you kind of have to value outside corners more than inside corners at this point I, i that one to me is one that's maybe a little bit more likely that it could figure out its way for him to end up back here 
Yeah, I agree with that. And that's a case where he was due a certain value and they're not going to pay him the restricted free agency tender or whatever it would be. And um, I, I think he's a guy that could easily be back. They've done that with other players in the past as well. Westry is free to look around as well. They love Westry's length. I mean, you don't find a lot of six foot three, six foot four corners. Um, and I know, you know, there were times he got beat on the one play against Chicago. I thought they left him, you know, you can debate whether Wake Martindale should have left him one-on-one in that situation. That could be debated as much as we want, but that's exactly right, Glenn. It's a case where, you know, they, they don't make him the offer there, but they look around and they say, take a look around, see what's out there. Will, we're still very open to you coming back. We heard Ozzie Newsom say that about players in the past. We've heard Eric DaCosta say it about players in the past. Um, so, yes, absolutely, I could see a case where he returns. Pressbox Ravens beat writer Bo Smolka is with us here on GCR. Bo, is there anything else, b- before we get into what they could do, is there anything else internally that you think they might do to create more money? Is there anything else left that you still sort of have your eye on as far as decisions the Ravens could make before the new year officially begins? I mean, I heard a report yesterday that they were trying to trade Miles Boykin. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I could see that happening. Remember, Miles Boykin's a guy that his salary just jumped to almost $3 million this year on what's called a proven performance escalator. And I had some people kind of, you know, ripping that idea that what did Miles Boykin ever do to prove his performance? The bottom line is that's a CBA um, item that is based on snap counts. And whether you like it or not, Miles Boykin, his first two seasons, played roughly 50% of the Ravens' offensive snap. And so he triggered this thing called a proven performance escalator. And that jumps his salary to almost $3 million. And I think, frankly, that probably makes him cost prohibitive for this team. So will he stay? I don't know if he would stay at that price. It looks like they're trying to trade him. Because if they don't trade him, I think they might end up letting him go. It'd be, you know, I don't know what they get back in return right. for him, but he's got good size. He didn't quite show what they had hoped he would show. Remember, this is a guy that they traded up to get in the third round a few years ago, and I don't think he ever panned out to be what they had hoped. But it wouldn't surprise me to see a move made with him. Other than that, I mean, the big ticket players, Ronnie Stanley, Marlon Humphrey, I don't know if they're going to juggle a contract there. I don't think they would certainly not do it with Stanley. I wonder sometimes whether they will uh, look to extend Marcus Peters. People thought he'd be a cap cut. They both, both John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta, had talked about really how, the, how they, they talked about how they rave about Peters. Is it a case where they might work an extension with him and try to lower his cap number? Keep in mind, to do that, you're talking about giving an extension to a 30-year-old cornerback who is coming off a major injury, so there's a lot of risk involved there. But I think the Boykin thing is something to look at that could be looming. And a lot of people would say, you know, again, why would it, why would a team trade for Miles Boykin when they know that the Ravens are about to release him anyway? And I guess the answer would be because you could always do something like a, you know, Miles Boykin and a seventh for a sixth. You know, like you could always do it where he's essentially a throw-in for a team that would be interested in you know, as a free agent and is essentially giving up. It's not even, they're not really even giving up a seventh round pick. They're just finagling where they end up making that pick and tossing Miles Boykin in in the process. I, it, could it be done? Sure, it could be done. But, you know, I, I think we all know it ain't, It wouldn't be for a whole lot at this point. No, I don't think it would be for a whole lot. I think it might be a situation just as you described, a late pick and Boykin for a late pick. Yep. And it ends up being roughly a wash. But again, and, and yeah, why would anyone do it? We're going to trade him. Well, maybe there's a team that likes him. And Mm -hmm. and if you make the trade for him, you know you get him. If he goes to free agency, you may not get him. So that's why you might do it. 
um, you know, he's still got to size you. Like he's done well. He's done. He's shown well on special teams. What the value is for all of that, and we'll see. But I don't. It seems likely that he would be released if he's not traded, because I said he carries a three million dollar cap hit suddenly, two point eight, I believe it is. And you know, that's that's not nothing for a team that is looking for cash. Yeah, Bo, the idea, we get to this now where we are within days of the start of free agency, and there are already players that are available because they were released, and frankly, what we know of the Ravens, they tend to like to dip their toes into those waters because it doesn't impact the compensatory pick formula. Let me start generically before we end up talking about any names specifically. What do you think this team's biggest priorities either are or should be in terms of what they need to do between now and the draft to feel confident about their roster and not feel like they have to press at any particular position once they get to the draft? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the, sad, the, the, the truth is the Ravens have a lot of needs. And so I think they could identify one of probably several position groups and say, can we get a value player at this position in free agency and then supplement it in the draft. Remember, they have nine picks in the first four rounds of a draft they view as being deep. So I think they fully expect they're going to be able to address some of those needs. But is there an offensive lineman? They did it last year with Kevin Zeitler. Uh, is there an offensive lineman they can pick up in that situation? Is there a de- defensive lineman they can pick up in that situation? We still don't know if Calais Campbell will be back. We're not expecting Brandon Williams to be back. We don't know if Derek Wolf is technically back, but he's dealing with injury. So they got huge holes on Really, both both offensive line and defensive line, I think, are their, possibly their most pressing areas of need. Um, so, if there's an if there's an offensive lineman that they feel like they can get at a value price, um, I think that will be one way they may look to do it. I don't think they can afford to just patch up the offensive line again with duct tape and see how it works because mm-hmm. that didn't work. Um, but I think they will continue to look at that market and say, who is cut. Who's available? What's that price going to be? You know, the old right price, right player mantra. And I think they would look there, even though they will continue to look at those positions, I think, fairly highly in the draft. That's why, you know, and again, I, I, I don't I don't dismiss names when people throw them out at me. It's just that, like, we all we do is throw out every name, right? Like, we all know every player that's available and everybody that's been released, and they, they just can't all sign with the Ravens. Like, it can't work out that way. It never has. I'm, I, I think the ones that intrigue me, Bo, are the ones where there is, you know, like the known connection, and 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 two that have jumped out early have been Ryan Jensen and Zadarius Smith, right? Who the the team knows, who appear to be available, and certainly both seem like they would fit needs. We have seen the Ravens do this sometimes over the years. It's not they certainly don't do it all the time, but they have brought guys back and you know, guys that they knew, do you think either of those two names jumps off the page at you as being particularly interesting or a fit for the Baltimore Ravens? Oh, they could both be fits. I think I think Zadarius Smith is probably more realistic. I think Ryan Jensen's going to out... Uh, yeah, cash in. The way, gonna, it's it's a Bradley Bozeman thing. Yeah. I just think, I mean, I don't think the Ravens will be able to afford Ryan Jensen. Could they afford Zadarius Smith? I mean, I don't know. He's coming off injuries. He's getting a little older now. Uh, Pernell McPhee came back here in a situation. Zadarius Smith had, a, you know, obviously some terrific years after he left. Um, so I could see Zadarius Smith being somebody that it could happen. 
I don't think he would be as expensive as Ryan Jensen. I don't think Ryan Jensen. I think Ryan Jensen will draw interest beyond the Ravens' costs. The big name that came available this week is Bobby Wagner, and I'm in a weird I'm in a weird spot, Bo, because I can't I can't dismiss it. I can't say no because it it fits what the Ravens want to do. They want to sign players that don't impact them when it comes to compensatory picks, but. I don't know. It feels like there's a real market out there for Bobby Wagner, and I I am just always going to be inclined to say it's unlikely the Ravens are going to be the team that comes out winning for a player that gets into a bidding war. I agree with you completely, totally. Uh, I think exactly that. I think, yeah, he totally fits what their formula is. I mean, completely. These are veteran-proven players. They get released. And then the Ravens swoop in and grab them, and they don't have to give up a compensatory pick. We see it all the time with this team. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this case, I think Wagner's a guy that is still going to be highly valued. And not that the ones that they pick up often are not, but I just think the market for him will be brisk enough that, it, again, the Ravens, are, the Ravens have to deal from a point of being fairly limited with their cap space. And there are teams that are not as limited. And, and I think Wagner will probably find a fit somewhere else. But he totally fits what the Ravens' formula is. There's no question about that. And look, I, I understand why everyone is in love with Tyron Matthew, right? I get why every Ravens fan wants to. Who, who in the league wouldn't want to have Tyron Matthew play for their football team? But that, to me, is a problem on both ends, right? Like, it's it's a true free agent and someone that's going to have just an absurd amount of interest around the league. I find it extraordinarily unlikely. Is there any world in which you see them swinging for the fences because they just think that highly of Tyron Matthew? I, I don't, but only because, I mean, I just look at this team and say, I don't think they can, first of all, it's not how they operate in general. They are just such not the big ticket you know, I call the shiny new TV players. I mean, that's not how they approach free agency. And, and they have a lot of needs. So can they afford to pile it? You know, now they, you can argue some, a couple times they've made big ticket signings. But I, I just, I'd be surprised because I think they know privately they have a lot of needs. they got to fill a lot of holes. And they've got to approach a lot of different ways. And they'll, get, they'll do some of that in the draft. And obviously those are the cheaper players and younger players and those will become the backbone of the team you hope but i it's just not how they operate right and and i don't see that changing I, but we agree on this and i would almost even say if you're gonna spend money at this point real money i i i get where where tyra matthew would be a fit and i get that he's an impact playmaker i i would almost say that Knowing the money probably wouldn't be the same. If you're if you're spending real money, I would almost say I think it needs to be in the direction of say a Hassan Reddick instead, right? Like if if you're going that route where you're spending real money on a player, I, I think at this point we we almost have to acknowledge it the thing you've been trying to do at pass rush isn't working. And it's 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 almost to me a desperation problem where if you're gonna spend money somewhere, this is the place that I think you need to spend it. It's, I, I totally agree with you there too. I think I think that's true. I mean, I think that whether you identify specific player or a specific right. position, um, yeah, because I mean, it, and it's also what what do you think you have at the other you know elsewhere? Um, you know, if you bring in Tyron Matthew, what what do, you, what do you think your safety position looks like? What do you think your defensive backfield looks like? And what do you think your other positions look like if you make that move? And uh, I mean, I agree. We've 
the pass rush is the situation. Remember, they don't know what they really have yet. They're hoping Tyus Bowser comes back from a torn Achilles in the regular season finale. Yep. Um, so the pass rush is is definitely still questionable. Um, we saw what happened last year when they kind of missed, just flat out missed on Ronnie Stanley's return, uh, miscalculated how he would come back. And I know it's a different injury with Bowser versus Stanley, but I agree with you completely on that. I mean, I think you, I, I think looking, if you're going to spend money, um, if it, you might look at the offensive line, right. you might look at the defensive line, or you might look at edge rusher. If I'm going to pour money into a big shiny TV acquisition and free agency, I would be inclined to approach one of those three positions. Bo, is there anything else we should sort of be aware of, be keeping our, our eyes open for as the league year gets underway? You know, something that you say, look, man, I know it's going to sound crazy, but you know, maybe this guy, anything like that that you're thinking about as we get into the busiest week of the year in the NFL? Yeah, you know, I hadn't been thinking specific players, but there always seems to be two or three guys let go, and you're like, wow, that guy, I didn't see that happening. And, and it, I don't know. The Ravens have just been fortunate over time that those guys – I can't think of the name right now, but there always seems to be one that becomes available, and suddenly he lands here. Um, and I, I just sense that's probably going the, to happen. It doesn't yeah. always work. Like Earl Thomas certainly was that was the example of somebody like that, and that didn't work out quite as well. I mean, it did for the first year. It worked out great, right? Um, but yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, Bo. That, that you're just like, wow, that guy really that that guy's sitting there available. Why? Why is he out there? And yeah, so that's the kind of thing I expect. Well, I, I don't. Again, I don't know the name, but I just you, you you'll see names. You'll see a lot of movement in the next what 72, 96 hours of these teams, and and I expect some there will be a name or two that becomes available that suddenly there will be a lot of intrigue. And you're right, every time a name drops, they're like, oh my gosh, they just got to yeah. get him. But I think there'll be one or two that are realistic that they might end up, you know, might end up landing here. All right. If you haven't picked up the print issue of Press Box yet, Bo did a great story about Mike McDonald, the new Ravens defensive coordinator. You can find that on page 12 of this print issue of Press Box. You can go pick it up for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box, or read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. I, uh, I need you to know it's it's must uh, pay attention when you and Zrebek start going back and forth on Twitter. I just I get my popcorn and I get ready. And if you guys end up going and watching a basketball game together next season, I want to sit one row behind you and I just want to watch all of it unfold. I need you to make me that promise, Bo Smolka. That's a d- hey. I've been trying to get him to go game for a long time. All right. I try to get my guy into some basketball, but we'll see. If we go, I will be sure to let you know. I just want to I want to sit right behind and just watch the entire night at B Smolka on Twitter. Pressboxonline.com is where you see his stuff. And uh, podcast, you want to plug it real quick? Sure. It's the it's on the Believe Network, B-L-E-A-V. We're doing a podcast this year, uh, a Ravens podcast with former Ravens tight end Daniel Wilcox. We were supposed to get together this week to start talking about free agency and our little availability issues, so we didn't get it done. But we will probably be back with another episode next week, um, you know, detailing free agency and the Ravens kind of off-season strategy going forward. Very good. Bo Smolka, always appreciate you, my friend. I have no doubt we'll be talking next week as things will start heating up. Appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. Have a great weekend, all right? All right, thank you. Take care. Bo Smolka, Pressbox Ravens beat writer, checking in with us. Busy first hour of the show in the books. Hey, uh, we were talking a lot about baseball, and Stan the Fan and Gary Stein sort of did an emergency conclave last night 
on Facebook Live where they chatted with a couple of former baseball front office executives, Marty uh, Conway and Andy Dolich, got their thoughts on the end of the lockout, baseball coming back. If you missed that show, find it right now, facebook.com slash pressboxsports or go to pressboxonline.com slash video. And, of course, Stan early in the week uh, caught up. Uh, he and Ross Grimsley caught up with Tim Kirkchen, so two good shows to check out. When we come back in, I got to talk a little bit about uh, the Maryland thing. And then I think we're going to get to uh, Cass, and uh, there's something about Mary and uh, Cheetos and uh, cream cheese and the whole thing. we got, we got a whole experiment we're doing this morning here on the show. So that's coming up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
Back in here on GCR as we move into hour number two of the show. Thanks to Bo Smolka. Thanks to Bob Nightingale. Some responses quickly on uh, the baseball stuff we were talking about. Uh, Chris, now that there isn't the lockout, what are the odds that the whispers the Orioles are in on Correa will go away? They love being in on things until they have to be. I mean, I'll bet significant. I'll bet, as I said before, even though I be- I think that everything about Raul Ramos's report was credible, I still bet against it. The idea of getting me to bet that the Baltimore Orioles are going to be the team that signs Carlos Correa is crazy. Come on, man. Like, until it happens, it would be a reckless way for me to bet my money. Far more reckless than just throwing an unreasonable amount of money at Seb Corda last night because I was bored. But I cashed it. Cashed it, baby. I had that moment. And by the way, I, after I threw in the first 100, I was like, ah, just throw 100 in more. Why not, right? Let's party. And I kind of mad at myself that I didn't. I only I only threw in 100 on Seb Corda last night. Um, but the moral of the story being that it would be a reckless way for me to bet that the Orioles would be the team that would sign Carlos Correa. Now, it's also kind of weird to me that we're how many hours into this thing now? And nobody's, has anybody signed yet? Nobody's signed yet. Hang on, uh, uh, little Jordan has something to, no, to add. Nobody signed. I'm looking at. Uh, I just have had the whole show MLB free agency just up mm-hmm. for the news. Yeah, it looks like. I mean, stuff we already knew. Braves were trying to get Verlander before he went to Houston, so Braves are going to be in on a high level starter. But who's the, I mean, Rodon? Yeah, I mean, the, is that the, where who, we're at at this point? out there. Who else is and out there besides Rodon? Kershaw's out there. Yeah, uh, Granky's out there. Yeah. Um, I guess if you're going the Verlander route, you're yeah. willing to go yeah. that. Yeah, I guess and that's the same. And then the other thing is Marlins, but everyone already knew this, are targeting Conforto. And well, Brian and Reynolds. I know that Morosi said that the Cubs are the favorites to link. What a weird – like, the Cubs bid is very weird, where they, they slash their entire payroll just to start spending money again. Like, I don't really know they're, that I understand what the Cubs game the, plan they're was. They're the favorites for uh, Correa right now. Well, that's what I just said. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what I just said, Jordan. But thank you. Yeah. Well, dynamite you're dynamite you're tap. You're welcome. <laughs> the, the, the whole thing with Freddie Freeman, the, the, it's been re- it was reported before the deal was made yesterday that the Braves have been reluctant to give him a sixth year, and he wants six years. The Yankees are willing to go six. He, the, the Rays put in an offer for him before the, before the lockout. Uh, so Freddie Freeman could be one of the more interesting guys that could move in the next day or two. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I, I, I'm just, I'm going to continue to bet against the Orioles spending significant money on a baseball player now. But that doesn't mean it's impossible. It doesn't even necessarily mean that it's a bad idea, as I said about Cray. You can present the way in which it can make sense if you could get him to do a deal. The, the thing that I think if I'm Correa, I would be most out on is that the way the Orioles would want to structure a deal would be to do the money up front where they don't have a lot of other expenses and then say, we can't. but the trade-off for that is we can't give you an out in the contract. We can't give you a, hey, but four years down the road, you can opt out and try to, you know, if for whatever reason the money is even greater at that point, you can try to go get more of that money. If you're putting money in up front in a deal, it would be nonsensical to give someone an out. So even if the Orioles did make, as Raul Ramos reported, a significant offer to Correa, it might very well be that that was kind of the poison pill for Correa. Hey, yeah, that's the number that I'm looking for, but I also think I should be a player that has the opportunity to revisit this 
four years down the road if, for whatever reason, contracts have continued to grow. Now, how much more contracts can continue to grow at this point, I have no effing clue. But I get it. If someone signs for $40 million a year and you're Carlos Correa and you're making $32.5 million a year and you have four really good seasons, you want the opportunity to get $40 million a year. You look at you look at Carlos Correa, and he was over a seven war player last mm-hmm. year. And you look at what Corey Seager, who hasn't been able to stay healthy. Yeah. What, what, what Corey? And yeah, but what, Correa but what he got? Season. Right. Uh, he got ten years, three hundred twenty-five million. I don't think there's any way that Carlos Correa takes less than that. And what the Orioles offered him is less than that. It's ten years, three hundred twenty million is what it works out to. So it's it's probably a pipe dream here in Baltimore because it's less money than what he's looking for. Right off the bat. And somebody would say that, that do you start getting itchy as we get closer now now as players are actually going to be reporting and starting spring it, do you start getting itchy yeah you could start getting itchy but I don't think you make a 10-year commitment because you got itchy well and I don't think Scott Boris allows you to get itchy is yeah. my I, I think that Scott Boris says nope there will be no itchiness you're Carlos Correa you're fine you don't need to be hanging out in the grapefruit league next week that is not necessary for right. you you will be just fine whenever it is that you show up. You're Carlos Correa. Settle down. We'll get you your money. So I just don't think there will be an amount of itchiness involved. To, Chris, to, to that point, I, I don't think it was the Orioles that planted that story, though. If the Orioles were looking to get you know, the conspiracy theory side of it that I bring up in comparison to Mark Teixeira, um, they love being in on things until they have to be. I, nothing about Raul Ramos being the reporter who reported it suggests that that's a plant from the Orioles. If the Orioles were trying to plant something, you would think it would either be, you know, Rock or more likely a national reporter, a, a, a Bob Nightingale type, a, you know, a Rosenthal, someone along those lines that they would choose to use to try to plant a story. I don't think they would plant a story with a Latin based baseball writer. So I just think the conspiracy theory side of it doesn't play. The idea that it's not going to be the Orioles? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be the Orioles either. From uh, Tom, Tom says, Glenn, I appreciate what you're saying about the extra inning thing. I tend to disagree with you in that we don't need to just keep doing things for the sake of doing them. I don't know what you mean by that. It's a weird email, Tom. That You don't need to keep doing things just for the sake of doing them. This was arbitrary, putting a runner on second base. It wasn't legitimate, even if the product is better there is no reason to continue doing it. I guess he's saying because it's not earned. Because you didn't earn that runner on second base. You had nine innings of a baseball game. I- I'm not saying put a runner on first, uh, second uh, base in the first inning. That would be insane. You played nine innings. You played a baseball game. There was no winner during that baseball game. The idea that, that like it's, it's insane... We, we don't play another nine-inning game. It's not like we play an entire extra baseball game. We do something arbitrary that we wouldn't do otherwise, which is if you score this inning and the other team doesn't, you win the game. We already do something arbitrary in extra innings. Why not make it a better product that's arbitrary? We're just in love with what we're used to. It's what we know. It's what we're comfortable with, so we want it silly do what's better the other thing i want to talk about then we're getting to cast um i don't know why and i i i never i try to ignore forrester at all times on twitter because i never know what he's doing like he's 
He, he just does so much shtick and so many bits that I, I, I try to ignore him entirely. But I had three other people reach out to me in the last 24 hours about Tom effing Crean as the next Maryland basketball coach. And the only thing I can say back, and by the way, Tim from Bel Air, I'm going to happily take your money. Tim, Tim messaged me, legitimately sent me a text yesterday that said, 10 bucks, Tom Crean is the next Maryland coach. And I don't normally do things like this, but I've got no choice. I just had to say you're on because it's nuts. It's nuts. Um, two things. I think there are people that are remembering that Damon Evans was at Georgia and somehow connecting that to Tom Crean. Damon Evans was long gone from Georgia before they ever hired Tom Crean. And more than that, I think there are people that genuinely believe that like it matters that Tom Crean is John Harbaugh's brother-in-law and that somehow John Harbaugh has some sort of power or he holds power over Steve Bishotti and Steve Bishotti has an amount of power. None of that is remotely true. Well, it's not. Hang on. Let me take that back. It is true that uh, uh, Tom Green is John Harbaugh's brother-in-law. That's true. It is true that um, uh, Steve Bishotti likes John Harbaugh. They're friends. Not, not friends to the level of, hey, could you throw your power around to try to get my brother-in-law a job? That's not a thing. And then, as I've said a million times, one, it's insane to think that Steve Bishotti, who perpetually does not care about these things, would start suddenly start throwing him his you-know-what around in the Maryland coaching search. Everything we know about Steve Bishotti says he is not someone who mingles or is an interloper in that way. At all. Add on to that, the fact that I've already told you that the donors and the boosters are being largely blocked in this process. As was given to me directly, they are not hiring the coach. There is nothing here that makes sense. It makes far less sense to think that Tom Crean would be a name at this point that would show up in a coaching search. It, it didn't work. If you can't succeed at Georgia... You sure as F can't get the job at Maryland. But this is, it's a name we've heard of. And because we've heard of Tom Crean but haven't heard of Nico Medved or we haven't heard of Dennis Gates, we react more strongly to Tom Crean's name. Kevin Willard and Seton Hall lost last night in the Big East tournament. They'll get into the NCAA tournament. We'll see what they'll do. Um, I think the last time I looked, most people seem to think they'd be an eight or a nine seed. So they'll have a chance to get another NCAA tournament win, and that would double the number of NCAA tournament wins that Kevin Willard has to this point. I still think he's the leader in the clubhouse. But I'm not saying that based on direct knowledge. I'm saying that based on some assumed knowledge of where they wanted to go. And I will maintain that I think that if it's not Kevin Willard, it will come from the secondary group of recently successful coaches, the Nico Medveds of the world. The idea of hiring, a, it's, the, it's disaster beyond disaster, the thought of a failed retread major program coach. I, I, Tom Crean has now failed at two consecutive major institutions. The idea that a third would hire him, just blow it up. Just acknowledge we're not trying. Georgia was a reclamation job that failed. It's over. 
Steve Wojciechowski is another name that I've, that's been given to me. I understand Steve Wojciechowski is from Maryland. And no, it doesn't actually matter that Steve Wojciechowski is a Duke guy. So was Lefty Drizel. How'd that work out for Maryland? If Steve Wojciechowski was a qualified candidate, it would be irrelevant that he came from Duke. They'd hire him. He failed. The idea of hiring someone who failed at Marquette as the next head basketball coach at Maryland is bonkers. It's just bonkers. But we've heard of him. We know his name. We happen to know he's from the area, so we just throw it out for the sake of throwing it out because we don't know who Nico Medved is and we don't know who Mark Pope is. So we can't talk about those guys because we're not paying attention to college basketball. So we don't really know who the coaches are that are trending upwards and guys that would be uh, legitimate candidates at the University of Maryland. Educate yourself. Educate yourself. And I'll be happy to take your money, Tim from Bel Air. I love you. Appreciate you. All right. Let's get to Cass. So, Papa Cass. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday. Yes. We did a top five. Uh-huh. And you gave us your top five f- comfort foods. Is that how we defined it? What, what, yeah. How do we define it? Like I, I said comfort foods because those are like my late night like comfort foods that I eat. That, pe- that other people think are weird. Probably. Or people that, that was, don't that like w- eat it. Like They're like, I would not eat that at and 12 And for the most part, I did not think your list was all that weird. It was what, like. What were they? It was, it was like. Maybe you should listen to the show, Jordan. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you should, maybe should consider listening yeah. to the program cucumber that you're a part rings. of. No, no it, it was, was pickles. pickles. But we pickles. did talk about cucumbers. No, we did talk pickles. about cucumbers. And then it was like cold rice. I love cold rice. Like I'll make it and then put it in the fridge. And then what were the other? Why am I like blanking? It was the hot Cheetos and cream cheese. Well, so that you're supposed to build up to that. That grits. was that was what you're supposed to. Grits I can't was remember on the, the other ones. That's why. I so with that. so we get to this hot Cheetos and cream cheese thing. <laughs> And at first, I was very taken aback. I was like, "What? Are you warming up the Cheetos in the microwave?" And you're like, "No, they're just the the like the flaming hot Cheetos." I'm like, mm-hmm. "Oh, all right. Well, I'm fine with flaming hot Cheetos. They're a, mm-hmm. I I re- as I said before, regular Cheetos alone offer nothing unless you're a child. If you're a child, it's the <laughs> I disagree. No, they don't. I, it's I agree. A, it's a very they're low. Good. The, there's not much on the flavor profile there. No. It's the you want the, the get a get a Dorito at that point. Yeah, you want the stuff on your fingers. You want you, but the flavor profile is next to nothing for a, a regular Cheeto. Um, as a, again, as a kid, it's the experience. It's it's Chester <laughs> Cheeto. It's the it's the dust. It's the whole deal, right? But it, as and I a, guess me and Paul are children. I got bad news. I got bad news. <laughs> now they have That's made. What a, my wife says they have made <laughs> other Cheeto products. The flaming hot Cheetos. The um, there's a jalapeno cheddar Cheeto. It's That's cool. very. Good. It's yeah. an outstanding. Yeah. I will tell you. I've never gotten on the flaming hot uh, train. It, 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 it's oh, too it's so spicy. It, so I've, never, I've never so found good. myself interested like in like. Cheese. I've never found myself interested in like grabbing a, a handful and like uh, doing that number, which I like to do when I have a snack food. Um, by the way, I shared on Twitter the other day the oh god I the sriracha those. peas that they sell. Holy f! I bought two <laughs> giant like Pringles cans worth of them uh, three days ago, and I'm down to half of one at mm. this point. Like I have consumed that many; they're that good. I but, can eat the hot Cheetos pretty consistently and not have it hot, but yeah. like the five seconds after you're actually done eating them is like it's like oh my god I need water and you like, yeah, they, just it's like a, rushing there's down a real water. there's a real thing going but on. Don't there. worry, the cream cheese is what helps. So hang on a second. So I like hot Cheetos, and in fact, mm-hmm. I when I make funeral potatoes for family gatherings, I crust them with flaming hot Cheetos. Mm. So I am I'm in, enjoy the concept of the flaming hot Cheeto. 
Okay. Did you do this the first time because you were trying to combat the heat of the flaming Hot Cheeto, or you were drunk and you nope. just... What was the scenario? I never had Hot Cheetos before, like flaming Hot Cheetos. I've never had them. And then, because um, I wasn't really like... I'm not really a chip person. Like, I'm not really someone that eats a lot of chips. So then my roommate, who I random roomed with my sophomore year, I ended up like she one day had cream cheese, like was sitting on her bed and had Flaming Hot Cheetos. And I was like, what are you doing? And she was like, I'm eating like Flaming Hot Cheetos with cream cheese. And I was like, no, you're not. That is disgusting. I was like, there is no earthly way you're about to eat that. And she's like, you have to try it. And at first I was like, no, I'm not going to try it. But then I was like, all right, what's the worst that could happen? I was ended up being so obsessed with it. No, let's, let's go with regular cream cheese. Mm-hmm. Regular cream cheese, cream cheese with the Flaming Hot Cheeto. Yeah. Sounds delicious. And how many of them do you consume at a time? Like, has this become a thing where you like look down, you're like, oh my God, there's two of us here. We ate the whole bag. Yeah. Like, okay. All right. Very good. I think it's that good. Like, my dad saw it, my dad heard about it, and he just tried it with Takis. Like, he did Takis and cream cheese, and he was like, that's actually really good. All right, I'm willing to listen to that. Yeah. Uh, the trade-off for my willingness to participate in this experiment was that you finally had to do the thing that I demanded you do. I mean, how long have you been here now? I mean, two months ago? <laughs> two months ago, I demanded that the both of you, as a homework assignment... But no... It was only me. Yes, that's a fact. So. Watch one of the greatest <laughs> comedies in human history, the classic There's Something About Mary. And again, for those that weren't around, the reason why this came up is because one morning I had my, I was struggling with my little pea coat here. <laughs> I was trying to take my, oh, this isn't the one because this one doesn't have a zipper. This one's got buttons. But I had a pea coat that had a zipper and it was, it was a little stucky. And I said, ah, Franks and Beans. <laughs> And I got nothing. They just both looked at me like. I'm surprised though. Who, I haven't watched it because my who, whole family has. Even who, my sister. Who are you? Now that you have viewed, there's something about Mary. Mm-hmm. You understand. Mm-hmm. Your favorite parts of something about Mary were. I think the most comical was probably the guy that had the crutches, and every time he dropped his keys, yeah. I thought that was. I don't know why I thought it was so funny. I, there's. I, I. I always love saying. Did, did, did 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 you design Stadio Olimpico? <laughs> no, the uh, the blah, 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 right down the street. Like I wish I remember the exact line was. It's one of my favorite lines in the movie. I like the part when everyone's in the bathroom, just like looking at it's it. Genius. Just it's genius. It's just hysterical. Genius. All of a sudden, there's the the, the cop, and he's just sweating, and he's just feeling awful. The whole deal. The dog on fire got me. Oh yeah, that was, that was a bit much. That's a bit much. That was a little terrifying. The the legendary scene when something about Mary first came out. The thing that got everybody to go see it was the yeah the hair was the mm-hmm. the um, the hair gel that yeah. that was the scene that everyone gravitated towards when mm-hmm. something about Mary first came out. That was the one um, the him attempting to pronounce Brett Favre's name Brett. Brett Favre, Favre, what about Brett Favre? It was so good. God, it was so good. I was packing while I was watching this, and it was like there would be times where like I would turn and all I'd hear is just like two guys like singing mid like movie. Yep. And I was like, what is yep, going on? Yep, there's a lot on? of that. Yeah. What about, uh, what about se- seven minute abs? Not eight minute abs. Yeah. Seven. <laughs> seven minute abs. <laughs> God. Such it was a good. great film. It was good. I'm glad. I'm glad. He's an idiot, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's yeah. an idiot. Watch it immediately. We've got a bleeder! <laughs> God damn it! It's such a perfect movie. And I swear to God, when he walks in and he says, he's like, 
How'd you get the beans above the Frank? I probably said that for no reason. I went, I don't remember how old I was when this. What, what year did this something? Ninety eight. Ninety eight. So I would have been fifteen years old. I swear to God, I walked around for uh, the halls of Perry Hall High School, just yelling out the phrase, "How'd you get the beans above the Frank?" <laughs> for months. It <laughs> it gave me such joy and such delight that I have never escaped it. So the trade-off was that you would watch the movie, mm-hmm. and then I'll try your stupid yeah. hot Cheetos Don't and cream stupid, cheese. Don't say stupid, because it's good. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how I feel about it. Here's my gut. My gut tells me it's going to be fine. It's going to come off unnecessary to me. That's my gut, is that I'm going to say, this is this is quite palatable. This is even enjoyable. It's just not something I'm going to ever find myself wanting or needing to do again. I did try regular Cheetos with cream cheese. Now, why and, regular? And, uh, because I don't like the Flaming Hot. I don't. It's too you're gonna be, you're gonna be I, fine. I swear. I think this is the point of the experiment. But I tried it just to try it on Tuesday, and you you saying unnecessary was perfect. It, it wasn't bad. It didn't make it better. It was fine, but it was unnecessary. I That's didn't need it. Different. Yeah. It's different. The, it's this, like the spiciness the, and the, the cream the cheese cool, is what makes it. The coolness it. of Have the you done this, old Jordan? No. Then how do you know? Because I'm a flaming hot also, You've also not seen there's something about Mary, so yeah. I'm not sure that your no. opinion is welcome no. here. I'm, I think, in I'm, fact, you might be shunned. I think that might be the way this goes. You need to rectify your mistake immediately. I'm coming for You've it. been here longer than Cass has. Mm-hmm. I have. You're on payroll now. <laughs> you produced the show last week. And you still haven't. I don't. I, I, I frankly, this should have been on the uh, the application. It should have been part of the application yeah. process. I should have absolutely had a screening company that was doing the background on you and came back and said, "Sorry, man, we can't hire him. We just can't do it. He's never seen there's something about Mary." That should immediately be listed. The way people list like must have three years of experience and your bachelor's degree and have seen something about Mary. Like that absolutely should have been on the list of qualifications that we had for this job. And we should have had the, the headhunters uh, get on top of that and say, nope, this guy's out. Sorry. Just the way it works, man. Way too important. All right, we'll pull them out. Let's... Okay, let's so I got individual cream cheese, like, on the go. So everyone has... Oh, look at you. cute. Look at you. So you guys don't have to, like, share... Right. I'm a germaphobe, so that's why. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, it's still one bag of Cheetos that everyone's going to be pulling out of. Yeah, but that's not gross. That's right. fine. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, we're not, we're not <laughs> pulling them out with our teeth. I mean, I don't know how you do things. I don't know how you do things, but I get my Cheetos the way I want to get. Thank what you. a dainty little cream cheese yeah, cup. Thank you. This reminds what me a, of a diner. What a little. I don't think I've ever seen cream cheese served yeah, in such a way. This, I was expected it to be butter when I opened the top of it. That's the or size. actual cream. Yeah, or correct, or like a creamer for a coffee. That's that. Sometimes type of I don't have cream cheese and I'm like too broke. I go to my dining hall and they have like little cream cheese for bagels like that, and I steal like ten of them. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. I actually respect that hustle, though. I respect that hustle. All right, so here are the. These are. Flaming hot Cheetos. How, how many are we taking? Am I just taking one? But Paul, just do whatever oh, you want to do. I, I could, whatever I could eat want. the whole bag. Right, easy, easy over there. You probably have uh, French fries here. You can get yours first, yeah. Jordan. Jordan just stuffs them in his pocket. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is he's doing what you do at the diner. He's, this is how he's feeding himself for the week. All right, I'll grab I'm a handful. <laughs> there I got. There you go. I got four or five. All right. So now, what is the appropriate cream cheese to flaming hot Cheeto ratio? Mm. Like, should half of it be in cream cheese? 
I usually I do the tip. Just the tip, <laughs> just, just for a second, tip. just to see how it feels, right? I understand. I mean, that. it depends on how much you want. Like, like well, my friend, I, you're the you're I, the expert I, here. I like a lot, but like my friend Sloan doesn't. Like, she doesn't get cream like, cheese a, is a little hard. Yeah, it is it's a gonna, little it's hard. Break. Yeah. Yeah. It no, I got does. it. You just got to pull it up, and you got to create a little more resistance. So that much, you think that much is good? Yeah. All right, here we go. This is the. You're gonna need more than that, Jordan. <laughs> All right, so I have thoughts, but I'm gonna do <laughs> yeah. my first thought, which I think it should cover more of the Cheeto. Mm -hmm. That's so why I get a lot, but it's all preference. I think it should cover more in order to. I think yeah. you should do more than that. I think frankly. you should probably do more. Uh -huh. It does negate a bit of the spiciness. Yeah. It most certainly does that. It definitely negates the spiciness. Now, I do come back to. When I eat a snack food, I like to shove a handful directly down the gullet. And so eating Flaming Hot Cheetos one at a time, dipping them in cream cheese, comes off as an unpleasant way of consumption. Mm -hmm. I don't want to sit and ha like I don't want this process to take 20 minutes for me to do it. So I'm going to attempt to do two at a time and see if that improves my entire feelings about this experiment. Mm. Yes? This is delicious. Really? This this is so good. I can admit I like it. I yeah. And, and 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 I I love flaming hot Cheetos. Now now I'm gonna literally need to go out and get cream cheese. That is literally what I'm saying. Like I'm not lying. How good it is. How about the whipped cream cheese? Does that work with it too? That is the whipped. This is whipped. No, I mean like the fluffy kind. This isn't the fluffy kind. The fluffy kind is almost like a whipped cream it type. It says of. whipped, but I have gotten like that kind as well, like the soft kind, and it works oh, just I got as way well. Way too much cream cheese on this particular dip. And it worked Whatever. just as well. That was too much. All right, so here's my thought. It's fine. In fact, I would even go as far as to say it's tasty. It's not going to encourage me. It's not going to change. I'm not going to prefer this over other snack foods. I'm not going to make fun of it either. I, I get it. I can see why you would enjoy it. Also, I'm going to need to wash my hands. That's going to have to be a thing that occurs. I didn't think about that. We got a lot of show still to do. <laughs> um, I'm not... If I if we did this on a scale, right? If we did it... Oh, God, Jordan. Jordan has a problem. Jordan's going to have... Who was it that, like, OD'd on, on Flaming Hot Cheetos? That was... Uh, oh. Shoot, it was... Uh, Remember that? Yeah, I know exactly. He, he like, tore a hole in, yeah, in his, his stomach. stomach lining because yeah. of Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Was it, was it, it wasn't Justin Bieber, Lil, right? Lil Peep? No. Lil Peep. It was a rapper. No, You're Lil, right, it was... Lil Peep OD'd. Oh, yeah, he legit OD'd. That yes. will be me. Was it the little Bye. green guy in Peacemaker? No, I don't think it was him, no. <laughs> but he does enjoy them a great deal. Um... God, I can't remember who it I'll, was. I'll look it up. Look that up. Look that up. Cheeto yeah, and we don't have Cheeto dust all over our fingers. Um... All right, so we'll do a we'll do a grading system, uh, but we got to be honest about this. It's a grade out of ten. I don't like grades out of five because you get too many of the same thing. Give it a grade out of ten, Jordan. I'm going to start with you, but I don't think I'm going. I think you're just going to immediately. No, no, I, I, I won't give it. I won't give it a ten. I'll I'll say it's a uh, a solid eight point eight. High high eights. I would definitely do this, but it's not my favorite snack food. But it's up there. Paul? I'll give it a seven. It would be higher if it weren't for the tediousness. The okay. tediousness is really problematic for me, right? Like, it really is. I will forever. Now, that being said, I enjoy, if I've got a good dip, if the star of the snack 
or the appetizer or whatever it is, is say like a really good hummus. I don't skillet mind queso. A, hundred, a skillet queso, outstanding. A, a nice chili skillet queso. No, I'm, I'm kidding about that. Um, I'm willing to do the work necessary in order to get it, right? A nice buffalo chicken dip. Uh, my wife started making a pizza dip recently that I enjoy. Like, if it, that's what we're talking about, I'm willing to do that work for a delicious dip. Ultimately, the dip that I'm getting is cream cheese. Like, it's just, to me, not worth the effort that I'm putting in in order to continue versus the, the method that I prefer, which is take the bag, turn it upside my mouth, pour snack food down my gullet, be thankful that I'm alive. <laughs> um, so because of that, it does impact my score. That's fair. What I will give you is, I think it adds something to the flaming Hot Cheeto experience. I think that in the world where it's either this or just eating flaming Hot Cheetos, I would give you that I think I would prefer this. I would prefer flaming Hot Cheetos with some cream cheese. It creates a mix of flavors. It's, it's, it's appetizing to the palate. I think you can market this and sell it as a snack pack in grocery stores. That's what I'm saying. I should really like but reach it out to, be... to the Cheeto company. I think <laughs> I can make a lot of money off of this. But it would have to be the fluffy kind. Or, or maybe you go out like the bars on a Thursday night, and as people are coming out, you say, like, here, here's a combination of Flamin' Hot Cheetos and some cream cheese, and you give me five bucks and you can have this, something like that. What? What what are you you trying to get more? What's more? Oh my god, you That's have a so problem, good. sir. And a I, microphone. I I can I can literally put down a whole bag of these. Me too. You can In have the rest of my cream cheese yeah, if you done, like. Done, you go. Yeah, sure. You, you have my shit. Yeah. yeah. I am I'm going to come back to If I if I gave it a nudge, I would say 7.3. Okay. I think it's fine to slightly better mm-hmm. than fine. I it's again, not something I'm ever going to go back to. I'm not going to find myself, but if somebody asked me the question, you guys are really panicked yeah, about this. I'm like forgetting that we're doing a show. If I, if somebody else came to me and said, what do you think about <coughs> Flamin' Hot Cheetos and cream cheese? I would say, I get it. I get it. I understand why you enjoy them. It's not going to be for me, but I understand the concept. I am willing to give you that much. Now you're less right? of like, what in the world is? Yeah, well, that? again, it was my my initial reaction was related to the idea that I thought you were like microwaving or or putting the, the Cheetos <laughs> yeah. in the the stove, and I was like, mm. or in the oven. I'm like, what? What the hell is that? Um, this this is just a, a a simple add to a previous snack. So I'm I'm good with that. I'm giving you a slight nod, and also in because I'm very proud of the fact that you watch one of the greatest motion pictures of all time. So that makes me very happy. Thank you, Kat. You're welcome. All right, when we come back in, we're going to do um, Did This Really Happen? We're going to do Young Utes. And I got a couple more responses that I need to get to from the things that you guys have sent me during the course of the show. That's all on the way. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Glory Days Grill's St. Patrick's menu is now in full swing, and it's their most popular seasonal menu all year. New in 2022 are their smoky thigh wings with Guinness grilling sauce, a house-made Guinness barbecue sauce. Fan favorites also include their corned beef and cabbage, the shepherd's pie with Guinness braised ground beef, the Glory Days Reuben, and the Rachel. Enjoy a pint of Guinness or Guinness Baltimore Blonde. The St. Patrick's menu is available for the whole month of March. Come in for great food, cold beer, and basketball. Find out more about Glory Days Grill and get your order in online at glorydaysgrill.com. It's another cold winter here in Baltimore, but this time there's no hot stove to warm you up. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and while there may be no activity in the world of baseball, I'll still be here every week with my co-host Zach Goodman to give you all the latest in the CBA negotiations as teams look to get back on the field in time for spring training. You can watch us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports and listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon for the latest in baseball coverage right here on the Battleround. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, don't forget to come hang out with Rodney Elliott and I to uh, watch some hoops on Sunday down in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. I'll be there with the former Terps and Dunbar star. Big Ten title game and then into the selection show. We're going to have a great time Sunday at Live Casino and Hotel in the FanDuel Sportsbook. Great giveaways um, as well as uh, trying to help you make some money while we're there. We'll be watching with you and just hanging out, having a great time. There's no better place to be than the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Uh, Paul from Ovilando wants to know, is oh, this is apparently something that a, a Ravens fan was watching NFL Network this morning and says Mike Garofolo just said on NFL Network that Lamar doesn't even respond to the Ravens' inquiries uh, about his contract at this point. Now, I need to know exactly what he said. Hang on a second. He Oh, you know what? He shared video. He shared video. Let's see if this will play. Hang on. Nobody can hear that here. If I send you this tweet, can you try to play it on that computer? Uh, 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 you got your Gmail open over there? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Um, doo, 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 hang on one second. Uh, doo, 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 doo. There you go. So it should be on your Gmail in one second. So I'll, I'll say exactly what it is that Mike Garofolo said on NFL Network this morning, as I don't want to twist anything either. I want to uh, get it straight. Um, no? 
Just try to refresh the whole like. There it is. There you go. All right. Here's the here's the 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 video and the quote of what Mike Garofalo said. Hmm. Hmm. We rehearsed this three times before we got to air today. Oh, they going to get these discussions? They sent him contract proposals, okay. and he doesn't even reply. That's my... I left him on red. Like, like in the DMs, mm-hmm. he was like, answer back. And he, he was like, hey, here's the, here's the proposal. And he's just like, like, yeah. He's like, yeah. like, who is this? And not like, not like countering, just like, no, new phone, who's this? So that's what... what. Okay. So that doesn't really tell us a whole lot, because what it doesn't tell us in there is, again, are they fair proposals? Have the Ravens sent Lamar Jackson a $45 million a year contract offer that he's not responded to? Or are we still going back to what it is that Jason Lock and Foy reported, which is a $35 million offer? Because the simple response that I would have is, if you're that far off of market value, what is Lamar Jackson supposed to say back? And your answer is, well, you're supposed to counter. There's still two potential answers here. One being the Josina Anderson theory. He'll get to it after the market's been fully set. Let you know, We thought we knew the numbers on Aaron Rodgers. He alleges that we don't know the actual numbers, but at some point we should know the actual numbers on Aaron Rodgers, and the belief will be it'll still be in the $50 million range, annual average value. And then maybe Stafford does a deal or not. You know, I don't know. But the first thought would be, you can reach out to me all you want. Until the market is completely set, I'm not responding to anything. The second thought being, if he's got a number and your number is drastically off, again, if the Ravens are sending him a $35 million a year offer, what is he to respond to? The idea that that's supposed to be how negotiating works, that, hey, we send you a number, now you send us yours, a counter offer. Well, if your offer is so far away... I just have to assume that you're not taking this seriously, that you're not actually attempting to sign me. If that's the case, what are we doing? The third scenario is the one that I keep going back to that doesn't make any sense but isn't impossible, which is Lamar Jackson is trying to single-handedly break a process. He is trying to end the way that quarterbacks have done deals for years. He... Very simply, is going to refuse to sign with the Baltimore Ravens as like some sort of protest about the the tag system. I don't get that. I'll never get that. I understand why the players don't like the tag system, but at the end of the day, the idea is to get as much money as you possibly can, and you stand to make more money if you sign a deal than if you don't. And if the team that you play for offers you more money than you would get on the open market, what are we doing here? I don't have any information. I can't give you more than what Mike Garofolo is saying. I would say today, I'm not panicked about it. I also don't get why if the Ravens' offer is so offensive, I keep coming back to it. If the Ravens' offer is so offensive, if I'm Lamar Jackson... I'm trying to demand a trade because, as I keep saying, the market for quarterbacks is so insanely robust and desperate at the moment that I want in on that because I don't know what the market for quarterbacks is going to be next year. As crazy as it sounds, maybe Mitchell Trubisky becomes this year's Ryan Tannehill, ends up somewhere, makes it work, and now it's one less team that needs a quarterback. 
maybe three of these draft picks end up panning out. Maybe all of Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter end up being high-level quarterbacks quickly, and there's three fewer teams that need quarterbacks next year. Oh, and by the way, the thought is that like the quarterback next year might be a little bit better. You heard of Bryce Young? He's okay. Might be a two-time Heisman winner by the time he ends up in the draft. So I don't, I don't know anything. There's no easy answer. The thing that feels the most plausible at the moment is the Josina Anderson theory, which is we're just waiting. We're just waiting. We'll talk, but we're going to talk after we feel like the market has been set more. Once we, once we know, once we see a couple of quarterbacks that have hit that $50 million number, then you and I can talk because you'll know what the market is for the quarterbacks at that point. There will be no debate whatsoever. There won't be one player and it's an outlier. We'll know that the, the market for a quarterback is between 43 and $50 million a year, and we're going to look for the higher end of that. That feels the most plausible out of all of these scenarios, but I can't tell you I know something. And all of it remains weird, and again, part of that is the apparatus where he has no agent, which I'm not blaming Lamar for. This isn't me saying he's failing or he's making a bad decision or anything along those lines. It just adds a layer of awkwardness to every element of this situation. Uh, and Dave said, Glenn, you were talking about uh, names that popped up. What about the Mike Bray rumors that started spreading like crazy yesterday? Yeah, I saw. I got a lot of that. I all of a sudden got hit up by a lot of people about Mike Bray rumors yesterday. Um, I know, I can tell you, because I've been told by multiple sources that Mike Bray not only has made it clear he wants the Maryland job, which isn't surprising, he wanted it the last time. It's almost to the point where I don't know how it isn't awkward if he doesn't get the Maryland job. Like I, At this point, it's got to be uncomfortable for the folks at Notre Dame if I know how much he wants the job. They've got to know how much he wants the job, and that's got to be uncomfortable. Now, it is a unique circumstance. It's not like he's campaigning for any other job. He's campaigning to get a job in a place that he's from. Like, I certainly understand why it is that Mike Bray, the Notre Dame folks might say, hey man, we get it. That's your home. You want to be there and the whole deal. And as long as you're not there, this is where you want to be. And and they can, everybody can be happy moving forward. But he's really been aggressive in wanting this job. The problem is he didn't, four years ago, he would have been a great candidate for the job. He's had some down years. He's bounced back nicely this year, but he's bounced back nicely in a down year for the ACC. So we don't really know if Mike Bray's done a great job as much as, well, somebody's got to win these games. None of the teams are good. Um, Mike Bray definitely knows the area. There's no debate about that. He obviously helps you with the DeMathis situation. He ticks that box. And Mike Bray, I was talking to a buddy of mine last night in the media world where he talked about the value of having skin in the game. And he said, look, Lefty Drizel had it out for the rest of the ACC. Gary Williams cared desperately because he was a Maryland guy. The, the coaches that have succeeded the most here are the guys that have had the most skin in the game. Now, to be fair, Bob Wade had a lot of skin in the game, too. He was a Baltimore guy. He was someone that desperately and was coming in in the aftermath of the Len Bias situation. I think the direct comparison that we're making is to Mark Turgeon, who we look at and we say he had no skin in the game. It was just a job for Mark Turgeon. There was no unique interest in Maryland any more than it would have been had it been 
Florida or Syracuse or Utah, for example. That was just the job that was available at that time that he took. And so unquestionably, Mike Bray would have more of a chip on his shoulder to succeed at Maryland specifically than Mark Turgeon did. Does that mean he can or he will, or even that he's the best option? That one's tougher for me. It's tougher. I think you could do far worse than just hiring Mike Bray. And again, if you tried on Andy Enfield and it didn't work, and you tried on Ed Cooley and it didn't work, and let's say you try on Kevin Willard and it doesn't work, then you start getting into this territory of, are you going that route or are you going to hire Nico Medved? I could certainly see where you'd say, I'd rather it be someone that has a little name brand value, that cares about the area, that will come in and bust his ass, even if we know he's already on the other side of 60 and he, you know he wouldn't be here forever. I could absolutely see in that circumstance where you swung at the first couple of guys that made the most sense, didn't land them, and then you say, all right, Mike Bray is a pretty good backup plan, and I'd be okay with that. Do I think it would galvanize the fan base? Meh. I, th- I think it would be met with a, okay, all right, we're, we're doing this. It, it, it ain't Rick Pitino, but it's a known commodity, and someone who cares about the area, and there'd be a lot of coaches around here, high school coaches that would say thumbs up because they're friends with Mike Bray because Mike Bray has continued to care about this, you know, more D.C. than Baltimore, obviously, although he's had some Baltimore, I'm trying to think, I feel like he had a Baltimore kid or two over the years at Notre Dame. Um, I think he's got an Under Armour relationship through his wife, too, if I remember correctly. I got to double check on that. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I'd be okay with Mike Bray. But, you know, that would be what it would be. It would be okay. I'd say, all right, let's do it. Let's let's see how that works for five to seven years, and, and we'll go from there. Where we go from here is who's up first this week? Who's Who was first? I don't remember. I never remember. I think you, it's me this time. I think you went first last time. All right. All right. Well, I'll all believe right. that. Right. Up first, first is always week. a good rule. And you also didn't watch There's Something About Mary. Ah, that's so. a good point. Yep. You know what? I think Cass always gets to go first until you fix that mistake Mm -hmm. did this really happen is brought to you by your local toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com whether your focus is luxury and comfort convenience or technologically advanced connectivity sporty performance or aggressive styling we've got the perfect highlander for you check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new highlanders from your local toyota dealer today all right papa Cass. okay so it says kim kardashian Who who says just wait Kim Kardashian had a charity auction for victims of sexual assault and kept 90% of the revenue for herself, says an article from the Daily Mail. She then said she would use profits to do things her own way, but the majority knows she has kept it for herself and has affected victims of sexual assault. And that's all you get. Hmm. Hmm. So Kim Kardashian got some negative attention this week because she said in an interview with, what was it, Variety? That uh, nobody wants to work anymore, and mm-hmm. and women women need to bust their ass. It was women. like all of them in a room. Oh God, it was so bad. Like it was just so. And by the way, I I do not knock Kim Kardashian in any way. She clearly has has made something for herself. This entire empire, but 
It's the part where she ignores the fact. Now, hang on a second. Created all by a sex tape. I, and I'm getting there. Settle down. I'm getting there. But more importantly than that, it started <laughs> with, with wealthy parents. Like, we start with that. Mm-hmm. Like, you have a, a giant advantage because you had wealthy parents that help you down that road. And then, yes. Now, I don't care if you put a sex tape out or not. I have no, again, this goes back to my singular rule. I do not kink shame. You put out a sex tape <laughs> and you use that to benefit yourself, God bless you, right? But- I think what we would say that's more appropriate is she has certain advantages because of her physical attractiveness that other people don't have. Believe it or not, Glenn Clark's sex tape probably wouldn't be as interesting to the general public as Kim Kardashian's. Hulu wouldn't do a series on it. You wouldn't believe it or not. I don't. I mean, we can if you want to try to experiment. I'll see if Mrs. Clark is up for it. But I just don't (laughs) think. I don't think it would generate the same... And on your new Friday segment. <laughs> right? I don't think we're going to go that route. Also, you know, I like my jobs. I think I'm going to choose to pass on putting out the, the Glenn Clark sex tape. Um, but I don't knock Kim Kardashian for the fact that she's had success. It's just that she can't be as obtuse as to pretend as though all things are equal and it's merely her hard work that has given her more success than everybody else in comparison to, again having an attorney as a father who is extraordinarily wealthy and represented O.J. Simpson, and the fact that, you know, she was blessed with being, you know, having a, a, a particularly large rumpus. Like, I mean, she she had some things Paid going for. for her. I understand. I understand. <laughs> you didn't mention Kim. Did you mention Kim Kardashian on your list of people that everybody loves that you hate? No, I don't hate her. I just think the it way seems she, like you've got a little hate. No, built up I in don't there. hate her. I just think it's dumb the way she got famous. Her whole family, like the fact that like they're actually untalented, just pays for it, asses. The, just confuses. I, I struggle with untalented. I don't know if they're untalented. No, they they have the reason why they're talented is they have people and resources to help them uh, that force out these talents that's, that's, that that's, that no one else. No could question. Pursue. They have they have an advantage that other people don't. There's no debate about that. But the reason I bring this up is because it sort of falls in line right mm-hmm. like someone detached from reality could do something like this and get away with it mm-hmm. right like or think that they're going to get away with it or could say well we still raised what did you say the percentage was that it was like 90 percent you say it was like 90 percent. No, no, you no. got the story right in front of you it's not right in front of me but mm. i didn't know if you said how much she raised or how no, no, no. Much. what was the percentage what was 90 percent 90 percent you're saying she but kept you said how how much money did she like make well i'm saying i'm hypothesizing oh, okay. that in her mind 90 percent of the money let's just say she raised 10 million dollars she mm-hmm. could say well we still did a million dollars worth of charity here which is significant like no one can pretend otherwise and there are other charities that if you really went through, unfortunately found out how much actually went to the thing they were raising money for, you would find out the number was very small because they would say, well, we had to pay our staff and we had to pay for you know lights I don't and know. internet and all that stuff. It just pisses me off stuff. because you have that much money and then you take mm-hmm. it from sexual assault victims. See, now you're so- selling a little bit, Cass. Now you're selling a little bit. Didn't happen. Jordan goes with didn't happen. It's real. I think I might side with Jordan on this one. I think that I think this is close to a real story, yeah. but not a real story. I think you listened to the advice that yeah. I gave you yeah. last week, and I think this is close to a real story. I'm saying not real. Papa Cass? You said not real? Yeah, or you I said, said real. real? Paul said real. The two of us are on not real. It's real. Damn it! Oh. Guys, I read Cass Damn like it. a book. 
All right, I got this. Damn it. Just stick with me. I mean, you must think I'm stupid to take your advice the following no, week. I thought maybe you had thought that I would have forgotten about it. No. I thought that maybe you would no. have forgotten all about it. No. So, all right, hang on a second. Uh, what's the... Apparently, there was two articles. There was one where she raised one for the Philippines, something for the Philippines, and she took 90%, and then she also took 90% from sexual assault victims. Can you show me the story? I just want to see it. I don't have it, it right well, what on. the hell, Cass? It was on my laptop. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> So what did what were you reading? I type it up myself, so you can't see any. I'm articles. trying to find the stories so that I could get more information about this. Now I'm starting to wonder if it is real or not. You might be fake news. Yeah, you okay. might have double duped. I double duped. You might have double duped us here. That's it. I double duped. You over here, du- you're double dipping in the cream cheese. No. You're double duping on the stories. No, look it up. There's double two. Double duper, double dipper. There's two. I can't find one it. story is about the Philippines and one is about sexual assault. Philippines, Philippines. Right, and I was going to say, I was going to just switch it and like pick something else, but then I was like, there's two of them. Right, this is from 2016. Kim Kardashian criticized for donating just 10% of charity auction to typhoon victims. All right, mm-hmm. that's good enough. That's good enough that I'll give you a pass for it. Damn it. Thank you. Damn it, damn it. Cass gets that point. Paul gets yes, that I point do. as well. I don't yes, know if we've done a good I job do. of keeping track as to what the I think I'm means. four and one. But you're thro- just saying that you got to do the actual work on that. We don't just get to say, I think I, I, I am. I, I was three and one, and I wasn't here last week. Mm. And so I believe that maybe I am four I, and one now. Maybe I'll believe you, but I'm not. Maybe I believe you. 80, 80%. I'm just man. glad I stumped you. All right. Good job, Cass. Mm-hmm. Well done. Now. Better, better, I would say. It was better. It's time for Young Utes. What is it that the young folks are talking about? That's what Lil Jordan tells us about right now. I'm assuming they're not talking about it. Kim Kardashian six A- years ago actually, not giving money to the Philippines. Actually, we're talking about Kim Kardashian today. Of course today. we are. We're always, we're always talking about Kim Kardashian. We, we did not plan that. But. So wait a second. Pete Davidson's doing a, a, a Larry David type of thing. He's doing like a Curb Your Enthusiasm yeah. show. There, There's also... Uh, Eric Andre is joining the... Big impra- fan of Eric is, Andre. I'm a huge Eric Andre fan. He's joining the Impractical Jokers that, for an I'm, episode. What? I'm out. I'm out. Don't... Not my, just not my thing. Just uh, not my thing. It's just not my thing, man. Uh, is he pro- too recognizable for them to pull that off? But you get... But Paul, you have to... And this is the reason... All due respect to those guys and what they built, none of that is real. Okay. None yeah. of the, it's yeah. not real. They're not actually pranking anyone. It's, it's the problem that I feared that I was going to have with Jackass at some point, which is you're not... You're setting it up. Like the people, everybody's in on it. It's about the TV show. It's not about the actual pranks any longer. That's why I'm out on the impractical jokers. I mean, think about where the cameras go. Like You're telling me that the yes, lady they're not they're not they're not doing hidden cameras. Doesn't like, see the they are literally just exactly like, yeah. right. Like these aren't Fair. real pranks any longer. But Kodak Black has mm-hmm. once again taken to social media. Not a likable fellow to shoot his shot. At Kim Kardashian. He's a friend of Lamar I, Jackson. I understand now. that. It's very right. awkward. There are some serious right. allegations that have been made about yes. Kodak Black over the there, years. Yeah. Not so Does he like think a, that she's single? She so she no. He doesn't, but he's Kodak Black. He wants attention. So he can he can do whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. So I don't know where the, this article had the photo. So Kim Kardashian wore like this Balenciaga like one suit with tape. Oh yeah. So Kodak Black threw caution tape on himself. <laughs> And sent her the photo, uh, and 
he he said that uh Con- and and this is back in 2018 when he first shot his shot that Kanye West was on some stupid shit as the rapper puts. Mm, mm. So uh and yeah, so Con- speaking Con- of likable fellows that Kanye West. Yeah. So Co- right. pretty much just Kodak is trying to get with Kim Kardashian and of course Pete Davidson probably does not care. I, I almost no doubt that he it impacts him in zero ways. Correct. Right? Like the man is is dealing with a, a literal psychopath yes. uh, in his life. I don't think he's thinking about Kodak Black. Look, I I don't want to give Kodak Black much attention. I it's it's awkward because of the relationship with Lamar Jackson, but he is the the allegation against him is, are far too serious for me to just be like, yeah, but he's a rapper. Yeah, but he's Lamar Jackson's friend. Like is I, Lamar Jackson like a good guy? I question very, this yeah. because a, like all of his friends are so questionable. Yeah, he's a very nice person. Mm-hmm. Like every interaction you have with him, he's very pleasant. He's very but I understand the question you're asking. I have tried to separate the concept of like when you grow up with someone and someone's part of your inner circle, you are more inclined to want to believe that they are not a bad person that Maybe other people have it wrong. There is this thing, especially when you're younger, where like you feel as though supporting your friend is more important than like the allegations that are made against someone. Like I'm a good friend. I'm a right. I'm a ride or die type of friend, and you can't really see the forest through the trees and and understand like no, at some point you got to be the one to say this isn't okay. There's also the world in which somebody says, hey, false al- a- accusations are made about people all the time, so. I get that because it's hard because you like you're like well I know this person and it's like it's, well some of the best people that you think are best people 100 do the worst things 100 so. so I I have not I have not gone down the road of being critical of Lamar Jackson because of his friends but I certainly understand there being people that ask the question and I've you know I've heard from a lot of people that are like dude needs to pick better friends like he needs to pick better people to surround himself by look he's largely avoided trouble what there was the thing with he was you know, going crazy fast on the, the when was it like a hundred and a forty yeah. or something like that. Like that's not okay. You can't do that. But for the yeah. most part, Lamar Jackson's been a, an upstanding citizen, and I'm willing to sort of give him the benefit of the doubt about. I mean, I don't really ca- like. In my opinion, I don't really care like what who you're friends with. I really don't like. I don't care who Lamar Jackson is friends with. But like for the sake of like society and just like doing the right thing, like if there's even any like thought that some like your friend did something like that i got you may not know I, the woman but I, like i 100 percent would agree to the extent that i wish that lamar jackson could be someone that could step up and say especially with that platform you know look this isn't okay and i am i'm not i'm not going to convict someone but i'm going to tell you that i'm not just going to be dismissive of it either i wish that lamar jackson could do that um mm-hmm. I, it's it's probably easier said than done and again somebody would it would be pointed out also that I, you know, I don't come from the background that Lamar Jackson comes from. I don't understand the world the same way that he understands the world. My skin color, you know, where I came from. I, I certainly didn't come from any level of affluence, but, you know, I, I also didn't fear whether or not I was going to be able to eat dinner most mm-hmm. nights, like growing up. I and mean, those things do matter in the way that I view the world versus the way that maybe Lamar Jackson viewed the world as he was coming yeah. up. Yeah, I so. think there's there's also something to the fact that Lamar Jackson has been by and large pretty private 
I feel like since he's, yeah, he's since he's come I mean, to the league, I mean, we didn't know he had a daughter until this year. You know what I mean? So they, we, for all we until know, she was like two. Yeah, yeah. For all for all we know, behind closed doors, really he, two, he, he, he could be saying to his to a friend like Kodak Black, "Man, this isn't cool. I'm not going to put you." Yeah, on blast, but, but it this was isn't cool. it was the fact that like Kodak was coming to games and like yeah. the the, the I, it, it was way more on the Ravens to me than it was on. I had a huge problem with the Ravens letting him hang out in the locker room mm-hmm. and giving him a jersey and like letting him feel like he was part of the team. I was like, yeah, that's not given, especially given what the Ravens have been through over the years, there is no world. Like, if you can't step in and say, hey, I know this is your friend, but we as a team cannot be attached. I, I, and I get very uncomfortable when, like, team employees will, like, tweet about Kodak Black. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yo, I, we we got to be capable of stepping in and saying, not, not, we're not going to do that. We're not just going to pretend like Kodak Black is only a rapper and only... And sometimes I have to be called out for this because I don't know about allegations that have been made against certain people that are very serious or that are... But that's like, also like the tragic thing is like I, I root for the girls like I root for the victims but I also root for the males because they have it just as hard because there are crazy girls out there there are absolutely crazy girls that fake allegations to fake uh, to popular it, it's, artists it's, it's, it's and a stuff very like that. it's a very difficult thing it's and a very that can diff- ruin a person's yeah, you life definitely you want to believe the the concept is believe women and I certainly understand that and I'm inclined to but there is. At some point, a limit to it. I, you know, I wrote about it when I wrote about Ben Roethlisberger, and I wrote about the Terrell Suggs comparison, where I'm like, you, if you want to hide behind, I won't. Be, I don't. I don't want the Ravens to be polite to Ben Roethlisberger because he was a rapist. Well, what were you polite to Terrell Suggs? Like we we can't do this thing where it matters for some people but doesn't matter for other people because we like them. It's a very difficult, it's unbelievably difficult, and it, it, it requires people far more intelligent than I am in order to figure out exactly how we should handle all of these things. But the allegations against Kodak Black are so serious and with enough evidence presented that I've been very uncomfortable with the association between the Ravens and Kodak Black over the years. Number two. Oh, but did the young youths care about uh, Kodak Black calling out the, or wanting to get with Kim Kardashian? Yeah. Okay. I all mean, right. they good. care about Kodak, so. All right. All right. Very this- good. I don't know if the young youths will care, but this story was so crazy that I wanted to talk about it. You've also probably heard about it. Okay. It's the whole Ryan Coogler. The, oh, yeah. The this is dra- wild. Yeah. The, yeah I don't so know if this is for young youths. The, or not, but. The, 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 I, I just wanted to talk about it because it's, all, it's so crazy. He's the director of Black Panther uh, and Creed. Uh, and so he handed a bank teller a few days ago a note that said... Uh, Please withdraw $12,000 in cash from my account. Do it in the back discreetly so nobody can see. And the bank teller then thought that was kind of like sus. So she called the cops. The cops put him in handcuffs. And he was like, what, what are you doing? I just want my money. Like, this, this is my bank account. I need $12,000. And they were all like, well, you, it's, you handed the bank teller a note and you didn't say anything. He is a speech impediment, though. So he, he's not, he didn't mm-hmm. want to come out. So mm-hmm. it, so it all, it, and, and so then they obviously released him and verified that he was getting the $12,000 in cash for an employee. But it, it to me. So, so there's, a, there's yeah. a few layers to this, right? And I do think, and credit to Ryan Coogler, it would be easy for him to to try to make this something bigger than what it was because, you know, we don't know. I don't know how that teller would have reacted if a white person had walked in and done the same thing. 
I'm not saying I'm not alleging anything. I'm just saying I don't know. I don't know how that person would have reacted. But it certainly could have caused more of a stir in social media and he would have probably been well within his rights to say this is another example of racism in this country and started a bigger problem. To Ryan Coogler's credit, he ended this by saying the situation never should have happened. However, Bank of America worked with me and addressed it to my satisfaction and we've moved on. He's essentially sort of said a mistake occurred. We've handled it. I don't think it's anything bigger than that. I would like to leave it alone from here. And I give Ryan Coogler a great deal of credit for that because, you know, I do think it's possible. The scenario as presented, I don't know that the the first thing is it's definitely someone who's racist. I think it's absolutely possible that a lot of people in that situation would have said, this is shady as F. Now, if it's Ryan Coogler's name on the account, it's a little bit weird. Like, you know, it's got to be somebody who doesn't know who Ryan Coogler is. And at this point, I'm struggling with that because Ryan Coogler is a wildly famous individual. And like when you see his name on the account, my first thought would be like, oh, no, this checks out. He's Ryan Coogler. And you can absolutely understand why someone who's getting $12,000 out of the bank would prefer to not have everybody else in the bank sit there and watch the teller count it out to him so that everyone knows hey, there's a guy carrying $12,000 in cash who's about to walk out of the bank. Maybe that would be a good person for us to jump when we get outside of the bank in order to get that $12,000. I do also have a question. I get, look, I think a lot of people use Bank of America. I'm not trying to knock Bank of America, but really, Ryan Coogler, that's where you're going to get your cash? Like, I would think that they would be maybe a place that was catered more towards For celebrities people, correct that or, or wealthy High individuals, individuals yeah that that there would be less of an issue with something along that i could certainly yeah, see like what wells fargo yeah i don't know that that would be the one paul <laughs> pnc but like rich people's bank you know mm-hmm. what i mean like it's just a, it. i could understand RPB. why ryan coogler at a bank of america where there's 20 people who probably have overdraft issues they're dealing with that are in the bank at the same time. Wouldn't want to be a target walking out of, out of a Bank of America. It's just weird to me that that's where he chooses instead of finding a bank where maybe all of the clients that would be walking in would be a little bit more used to that and you would perhaps be a bit of a, a less risk in that scenario. So there's certainly something convenient about being a Bank of America customer, though, because there's lots of branches all over the country. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy story. Uh, I'm glad it, it wasn't worse than it was, and I'm certainly glad that Ryan Cooler's trying to say, like, hey, I, I get it. I'm I'm not trying to make a bigger deal out of this than it was. Um, it, clearly, this, this woman made a mistake, or whoever it was. I don't even know if it was a woman or not. It, yeah, it was. it was. This woman made a mistake, but... You know, given all of the given all of the evidence, I think we can all understand this is a mistake that could happen. It it probably would seem shady to me. I'm trying to think of myself as that bank teller. I mean, I'm I, just gonna say if I was her, I would I wouldn't have known it was him. You don't know who I Ryan Coogler is. I would not have known. That's I a don't weird. Know that's, that name. that's that's a weird part of this to me. He's a very famous individual. Yeah, but like I don't. I don't know. I'm. I don't keep up with him. I don't know who that is. Well, he's not that. an actor, and I right. can certainly understand why. Like, he's not as he's not as famous as Chadwick Boseman, but you know, he's everything he's done has been gold. I mean, he's, like, yeah, he's famous he's in that world, but like a lot of people, like me or some other people, may not pay attention to who directs and I, stuff. And I don't think it's crazy to think that if you were a bank teller and someone walked up to you and said, you know, get, handed you a note and said nothing, that you wouldn't find it a little bit weird. 
Like, that you wouldn't say, well, I've never dealt with this before. What's going on? I would have just been like, okay, shawty, grab the money. I mean, it's his account. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm realistically thinking about this, it's his account. If he wants to, like, in my head, though, I would definitely be like, he definitely doesn't want to see people. I would would definitely say something to someone. It's like like a fight or flight. Like, her first instinct is, oh, let me make sure he is this 12th. That, like, if anyone handed the note, like you, you, you would de- what what Glenn said. You would definitely like take a second and be like, "Huh? Oh, is is this is this is legit? This right? right? Is like, this is this correct? something we do here? Is this you know like this well, is no, weird? No, no, no. Legitimately, you just walk in and say, "I'd like to sit in, s- sit down with the bank manager," and then you tell the bank manager why you're there and what you're doing, so that you don't have to hand a note to a bank. Anybody hands a note to a bank, tell the first thing you think is they're they're holding me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I. I, I don't know if it's the first thing I'm thinking, but I, again, I get I think he could have led with like, hey, like in the note, hey, I have a speech impediment. I want to write instead of talk to you about it. But can you put this in here? Like that may have been better. But like when you first told the story, like my first thought was like, OK, the dude just doesn't want people knowing how much money he's walking out with. Because like how yeah. I was raised, my parents always told me like never flash your money, never say how much is in your wallet, never like, you know what I'm saying? Like never show that type of thing because you never know who's around or who's listening or like all that stuff so like i'd be like okay like maybe the dude just wanted to not you know have someone know that he's withdrawing that much money a couple of things in here that are interesting to me one um he's got apparently a trigger on his account that he if you if it's if a transaction exceeds ten thousand dollars apparently it's supposed to be assumed that it's theft so again, this goes back to my questions about Bank of America. Like, if you're Ryan Coogler, I'm gonna guess that you regularly have transactions that would be likely to exceed ten thousand dollars. So why do you have an account with a ten thousand dollar trigger on it, which added to this problem? And probably again, part of why it is that he's not losing his mind about it because he can say, "All right, fine, I see that you could see where this would be awkward." He also had two bunny buddies in a car, two colleagues in a car outside the bank with the car running. And that, you know, might look shady to what someone. What are we doing here? Well, no, I did, but it's but it's still it's completely understandable, dude. I got to run into the bank for a second. We're not gonna be here for all that long. I'm just running to get some cash, keep the car running. Like it's completely every yeah, layer I, of this I is do understandable. That for my friends all the right, time, but yeah. you can also see how it can be misconstrued. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you can see how someone would say, "What are you saying? You got two buddies in a car outside running? Like this is weird. Like this is <laughs> yeah. weird. It's weird. It's unfortunate. It's it's a you know." It was a it was a mistake that was made, but it's an understandable mistake given everything that you've been through. And it also doesn't mean that, you know, no one else has experienced something. The problem is when you say things like this, somebody was like, well, you know, I dealt with this thing and it's clear that it was just racism. I believe that. I also believe that to be true as well, that people experience things that are completely racist at the bank constantly. But the totality of this one, it's certainly understandable that this might just have genuinely been a a weird scenario that was misread and led to an awkward situation that thankfully wasn't any worse than just an inconvenience. And I have no doubt the Bank of America is going out of their way to make Ryan Coogler whole um, because of the publicity that is for both, you know, for negative publicity that has come out of this. And number three, do the young youths care about it? No. Oh, boy, it's a lot of pressure on number three. But I like it. It was a good story. It was a very, it was getting a lot of attention yesterday. The third one is Canada is better at Wordle than the United States. No, I'm Stud- just starting to say study, no. Study fine. Me and the young, you, the young me, youths don't care at all. No. Oh, me and my friends, we play Wordle all the time. It's it's min- once it hits midnight, you're at the bar, you pull out your phone, you're playing. No. I, I, I I'm not saying I the actually young do the same. 
people do don't like Wordle. I'm just saying I don't think they care about this. Yeah, that, I want to beat the Canadians. Why? I, I wanna, Why do you care about I, the Canadians? I want to be the best. Why? America's I want to be head. the best. Jordan, yeah. I've come to terms that I'm, you and I'm, your friends are just a different breed. Old souls. <laughs> like, old just different. souls. <laughs> All right, so tell me about Canadians. Yes. So uh, a recent Word Tips data overlooker shows that Canadians guessed a daily word in less tries than people living in the U.S. While Canada can crack the crossword craze... I got today's in two, by the way. ...sweeping the globe, I haven't done it yet, in 3.9 guesses on average, it takes American 3.92. They have us beat by point zero. I mean, that's, that sounds about... Tries. I think... Uh, hang on, I'll, let me pull this up. I'm pretty sure that I'm most frequently four. Toronto is the best city in Canada at Wordle, Beating Vancouver by a sweaty 0.3 guesses. Wait, why is it a sweaty? I, I don't, don't understand know. that part of it. I why don't know. There's also far more people in America than there are in Canada, so it's a bigger. No, but that doesn't. I mean, you're still talking about an average, though. Like there are dumb people just it, because it, it takes Russia 4.10. Ha <laughs> ha! They suck. Um, I am now Otherwise okay. 4.1. So 4. I, yes. in my 46 wins, and I got a 100. This is a weird bit too. Where here I'll try to block it so you don't see what the word is. It tells me that I got a one hundred percent win percentage, which I do, but it also says that oh I don't no, I almost, I almost no, nearly I gave it away. It, okay. Yeah. Well now it's gone. It tells me I only have a streak of twenty six. Well I've gotten them all right. Like I don't understand why my streak Maybe only says twenty six. It went over to the New York Times. Oh I didn't no, it's been twenty six since. What exactly is Wordle? It's a puzzle game. It's, I mean like it's you you make guesses on if you have to a guess five, a five letter word. Five letter word. Oh, Bears released Tariq Cohen. Just okay. got that well, notification. It's, but, very, it's very exciting but. to you because Tariq Cohen's a Jewish player. No, nah, he is. <laughs> the he young youths care about that. The young youths do care about Tariq Cohen and their fantasy so, teams. So okay, so it tells me I've gotten 29, 29 straight, but I'm one hundred percent. And which is correct. I've never, I've never missed one. Everybody complains about how difficult the words have gotten since the New York Times taken it over. You still shouldn't be missing these words. I've if you're getting one of these words wrong, so they just give you that's a on word? you. Now I you got it. You start with a five-letter word, uh-huh. right? Here, pull it up. Anyone yeah. that you we want, I'll, I'll play. I, I yeah, Jor- Jordan will play for you, right? So okay. this, this is the board. Uh-huh. It's, it's just on Safari, and you can guess uh, any five-letter word. So I'll go with quilt. That seems like a terrible first guess, Jordan. <laughs> what are you doing? And so. Okay, what he well, learned there. So, yes, the T, since it's yellow, now means the T is in the word, but not in that spot. If you get it green, if one of these tiles is green, that letter is in the word in the right spot. So all he knows right now is there's no Q, no U, no I, no L in the word, but there's a T, just not, it's not the fifth. So he's going to guess another word that has a T in it, <gasps> but not in the fifth spot, and it doesn't have any of the other letters. Taper. That, would, right. be, that would be a five-letter word, yes. I can tell you it's incorrect. There's an so, A, though. So there's an A in the right and spot. And it's in the second spot. So so now that your T, you know, isn't in the first spot, the fifth spot, or the second spot. So it's either got to be in the third or the fourth spot. And it's got to be a word that has A as a the word. second letter. <laughs> that's not a word. Satch. What were you trying to do? I what said about catch? What about catch? What is Satch? Catch, catch, catch is a good one. I think you're going to be happy now. So... So now you know. Wow, I got, think I'm amazing. You've got all of it patch. except for the first letter. Match, match. Patch, match. Pat, so P is gray. So you know so there's I, no P. In. Oh, I didn't see the P. Okay. Yeah. So I'll go with match. That's a V. Uh, yeah. Mm. Okay. I got big mm. thumbs. You're going to need one more guess. Catch, match, patch. Mm. Satch. Watch. Oh. And you're going to get it on your, your fifth tendon. try. 
Yay! I, for whatever reason, my first guess this morning was, oh, oh God, we should have put a spoiler here. Oh, God, now I feel Shoot. really terrible yeah, no, for anybody that was I, listening I re- that hasn't as played. As soon as we Holy said crap. that, I realized, I was like, oh, crap. Hopefully, Hopefully, when they heard us start doing it, they realized they should yeah. probably uh, tap out. Oh, I started man. with I started with Patsy this morning. For, I don't know why. That was just what the word that I started with, so I got it on my second try. I've literally, in the entire time that I've been playing, 46 tries, I've gotten it. I guessed it on the first try once. Which was random as hell. It was the word pleat, P L E A T, and I guessed it on my first try. Just because of the types of letters that I like to use in my first guess, I threw that out there. And then um, I've gotten it on my second try twice now. That's as well as I've done. But I've averaged that the more than anything else is four is the most common one for me. Uh, what do we say the average was in America? Three three point nine two. Yeah, I, uh, of my forty six, I've gotten it on the fourth try eighteen times, on the third try ten times, on the fifth try eight, on the sixth seventh, and then the two and the one. I I get a lot on the fifth try. It takes me five. I don't I don't know. Again, maybe you know. I I just can't. These are not that difficult of words. Now, do you play quarter at all? No. Oh, that one's more of a ball buster. Q U O R D L E. My my uh This is a very old man conversation my, that we're having right my now. My girlfriend's roommate showed me it and I just so got pull up I, I don't want to show you it I, from today. I, I got way too frustrated. Yeah, it is very it. difficult. And they are starting to Are you gonna play? Should I? Yeah. Well, yeah, I yeah. All right. If you're gonna play, I won't show you. I won't show you. We're not gonna I, do it I, on the I, air. Yeah, again. I I but I will today's not words. Get the f out of here! There, they change like they're like. Yeah, it's a different word every day. All the same. No, it's wait, a, do you only play one time? One time, once a day. There's a. Podal. You get a new one tomorrow. Podal. Oh. Which one is Podal? It's an NBA player guessing game. Okay. So it here are the rules. Uh, green in any column indicates a match. Yellow in the team column indicates the player at one point played for the team. Yellow in the position column indicates uh, too a partial much. Yeah, match. they're trying too hard. They're trying too hard. I do like Hurdle, which is the music one now, where like they'll give you, um, they'll give you two seconds of the the start of the song. You don't know it. You get four seconds, then you get ah. eight seconds, then you get twelve seconds, and like it's like up to sixteen seconds of the start of the song. I think I'd be very good at that. I. You'd be phenomenal. Oh yeah, I've, I've been There's incredible at it. Except for there was a, there was a Lil Nas X song that I only knew was Lil Nas X because I got I got deep enough into the song that um like I heard his voice. It's because like you get by the sixth guess you get up to sixteen seconds. So like it got to a point where you actually heard his voice. It wasn't just the musical intro. It was it was Miss Jackson one day and I got that within two seconds. That's the quickest I've ever gotten one. I got today's on the second one. I got it within four seconds. Um, but I won't tell anybody what it was in case they want to play. But I'm playing. Those are the three that I play. I used to play Loodle. I played Loodle. Wait, what and then, are these and then names? Loodle, Loodle well, got just plays on Wordle. Loodle got so hard. Loodle, there's only so many naughty words yeah. that can fit within five letters. And yeah. so at a certain point, it was just not interesting any longer. So I tapped out on Loodle. But I'm still in on Wordle. Quirtle's going to, they're going to have to do something about it because yeah. they are really dancing around things that aren't, that are words, but only technically words. Yeah. Um, Wordle, yes, the words got a bit more difficult, but like they're still all very common words that they're using. So there's there's a uh, Wardle, which one is that? It's, it's uh, about is it about Wario? Play, is it about a player, Mario Brothers player, thing? Players Wars. 
What? Oh, right, baseball or, players. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. yeah, I'm out. I'm out on that. That's Speaking of baseball, the first free agent has signed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, reliever Drew Verhagen, who has been no. pitching in Japan the last two years. Two years, $5.5 million with the Cardinals. Why, why would you do that? Groundbreaking. Why would yeah. you make it seem like that was going to be interesting? <laughs> Jesus. Maybe it's the dumb. I didn't even bust your balls this morning to ask if it was the real Bob Nightingale when he called in. I didn't even do that. I totally forgot because it, because we got screwed up in the timing of it. I totally meant to say now now Paul is this the real Bob Nightingale that's calling in, and I just forgot to because he. It he, could be the first free agent sign that gets the dominoes falling. Get out of here! All right, we'll come back in. Thank you, Jordan. You failed though. Cass says you uh, you it was a big miss for you on uh, Young Utes. Young Utes. Was also brought to you today by Glory Days Grill. I know what the young Utes will enjoy. They'll enjoy delicious smoky thigh wings with the Guinness grilling sauce, the Reuben, the Rachel, the shepherd's pie with the Guinness braised beef. It's the corned beef and cabbage. It's all available to celebrate St. Patrick's all month long at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, glorydaysgrill.com. Tidbit, tube to wrap up the week. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms the newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport. And why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's have your 
Chris Jericho, Le Champion, AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by Underdog Fantasy Football. Little Jordan plays underdog. He doesn't do so well, but that's okay. It's still fun to play. Oh, hang on a second. Yeah. Baseball's back. Now, now you'll, that's be, right. able to, that's now you'll right. be able to throw some on there. That's a good point. You'll be able to play a baseball contest. You can't bet on your phones or your computers yet in the state of Maryland, but you can play underdog. It feels like you're betting. Play player props, parlays, things along those lines. Um, and if you use the code PRESSBOX, we will match your first deposit up to $100. Underdog Fantasy Football. Download the Underdog app today. All right, so as we know, yesterday, Major League Baseball and Major League Baseball Players Association came to an agreement on a new collective bargaining agreement. Shortly after Pemmis put the paper, free agency reopened across the league. Uh, while nothing has happened, there's expected to be a free agent frenzy over the next 72 hours as teams start reporting to spring training. The top remaining free agent is Carlos Correa, and the Orioles have been linked to the star shortstop, as, we report, as was reported on this show roughly two weeks ago. The largest contract ever given out to a shortstop in league history belongs to Francisco Lindor, who signed for 10 years $341 million after he was traded to the Mets prior to the 2021 season. Second on that list is Corey Seager, who signed with Texas for 10 years $325 million, uh, just ahead of the lockout. As Raul Ramos reported, the Orioles allegedly offered Correa a 10-year deal that would pay him $44 million in 22 and 23 and $29 million per year, each of the remaining eight years totaling $320 million. It would be the largest contract ever given out by the Orioles in the history of the franchise by a wide margin. What are the five largest contracts in Orioles history? Davis. Davis is number one, seven years, 161. Uh, I believe Marcakis is still on that. You say total money or per year? Um, we can do per year. Marcakis is on that list. He got six years. But we'll say total money. Uh, he got six years, $66.1 million. He's fifth. So we're going with total the total value of the deal. Yes. No. Uh, what? Not Jones. Adam Jones. Jones. Yeah, yeah. yeah, when he signed his re- yeah. extension. Yeah. He's yes. number two on the list. Six years, right. $85.5 million. This is the funny part. Is There's a couple names that, like, I, I don't think it's impossible. Brian Roberts got $40 million bucks. And I don't think it's impossible that that's still not somehow in the top five. Uh, he would be number nine. Number nine. All right. Uh, I got to think of who I'm not thinking of. Um, old timers, or not no, old timers? No, no, yeah, no, no, no. I would be. I didn't make that type of money. Although there was one Ripken deal, I still think it was only in the thirty million dollar range. I'm gonna say it just to get it off the table. I'm pretty sure it was still only like yeah, it was six it years, was, thirty million. It was a huge deal the at the time. Like Cruise? at the time, it was a massive story. He only got one year. Uh, yeah. Um. Ooh. Who else got money? Got actual money? This is gonna really mess with me. Oh, Tahada. Tahada is number three. Six years, seventy-two million. You have one left, and this was the one that even I forgot about, and I, I can't believe I forgot about it. But was it Javi Lopez? No, he does not crack the top ten. He only got like two years, eighteen million. It was only two years. I thought yeah. it was a four-year deal for some reason. Um. Jeez. The contract that was given. All right, it's 1229. We can't do this all day. Um, 
It happened in the 90s. The first deal Messina got. No. Bell. What's the number? It was Albert Bell. Yeah. Oh, let's go. Yeah. oh Christ. All right. right. Yeah. yeah. Five no, years, 100%. 65 million. Yep. yep. 100%. That's absolutely the answer. Good job. Ah, Good job, Jordan. Thank you. All right, very good. Here's what's coming up uh, Totally Tubular-wise. Totally Tubular is brought to you by Simply the Bets and Weekend at Bookies. If you missed Weekend at Bookies yesterday, you can find it. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Click on the Videos tab or go to YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. We do Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Simply the Bets every Tuesday to try to get you, make you some money. If you paid attention to Stecka, you would have made some money. His Stetson figures paid off both uh, Maryland. They boy, Michigan State tried desperately to yak that away. Holy S. Maryland got back within one possession from being down 20, but Michigan State held on and covered, and then uh, he gave you Penn State, and they not only covered, but they beat Ohio State outright. So a nice night for Stecka last night. You should be listening, paying attention to Weekend at Bookies and Simply the Bets, which are both brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. All right, here's the rundown. Highlights for the weekend. Tonight, lots of MEAC tournament action on the men's and women's side, all on ESPN+. Plus. Um, Morgan State women against Norfolk State at 2. The Morgan State men against Norfolk State in the semifinals at 6. The Coppin State men against North Carolina Central in the semifinals at 8. If Morgan or Coppin or both were to win the night, they would play the MEAC championship game tomorrow on ESPN2 at 1 o'clock. Also tomorrow on ESPN2 at 11 a.m., the America East championship, UMBC and Vermont. That is not going to be easy, but they've done it before. That's tomorrow, 11 a.m., for a spot in the NCAA tournament. Uh, today, Towson, so everybody's uh, lacrosse schedule's got, apparently it's going to snow tomorrow. I don't know what the hell that's all about. Nobody's playing any sports tomorrow. It's a very bizarre scenario. Towson moved their lacrosse game at St. Joe's to 3.30 today. Towson's women's basketball team takes on Northeastern in the CAA tournament tonight at 7.30. Both of those are on Flow Sports. Uh, The UMBC lacrosse is at home tonight against Utah at 7 o'clock, AmericaEast.tv. The Loyola-Duke game was moved to Sunday at 1 o'clock on ESPN+, as was Colgate and Navy, noon now on Sunday, because, again, we can't play tomorrow. As of right now, Maryland hasn't moved their schedule. They'll host Albany and lacrosse tomorrow at 12 o'clock, Big Ten Network+. Um, I think that about covers it for things that are locally interesting. Oh, the Mount St. Mary's women are playing for a spot in the NCAA tournament in the NEC championship. That's Sunday at noon on ESPNU. You can check that out. Syracuse Johns Hopkins lacrosse Sunday at 4 on ESPNU. NCAA tournament selection show, of course, is on CBS at 6 o'clock on Sunday. The women's selection show is actually now on Sunday as well. They used to do it on Monday. It'll be 8 o'clock Sunday night on ESPN. And uh, for Towson fans, the NIT selection show is at 8.30 on ESPNU. As uh, bummed as we are, their season will continue in the NIT. That's about it for local stuff that matters. Non-sports-wise, what, what, everything else. By the way, I got the whole schedule, all the college basketball games. They're all available. You can find it at glennclarkradio.com. Uh, the Adam Project is a new Ryan Reynolds movie that premieres on Netflix today, as does Formula One Drive to Survive Season 4. Um, tomorrow, Saturday Night Live, hosted by Zoe Kravitz with musical guest Rosalia. R- Rosalia. Rosalia. Yeah. yeah. yeah sorry. I, I, as I was saying, it was like it's probably mm-hmm. Rosalia. Yeah. Um, and then on Sunday, um, you have The Simpsons, A Great North, Bob's Burgers, Family Guy. Not that I'm like a Rosalia. I don't, I don't know anything. I just know it happens to be Rosalia. Uh, that's all from 8 through 10 on Fox. You, on, on the CW, the 27th Annual Critics' Choice Awards. That starts at 6 and runs through 9 o'clock. Oh, on AMC, The Walking it. Dead and Talking Dead at 9 and 10. Uh, and you have Winning Time, The Rise of Los Angeles Very Lakers good. Dynasty at 9 o'clock uh, on HBO. 
outstanding television program. A lot of fun. You should be watching that for sure. All right, everything else, GlennClarkRadio.com. Now, uh, social media, Cass, you get to go first because you watch something about Mary, so you're the winner here. Okay. Um, Instagram, Cassidy underscore <laughs> Elizabeth22, and then Twitter, Cassidy Butler 5 You, I shouldn't even let you plug your social media because you failed me so much, but go ahead. Twitter, SchwartzbergJS, and Instagram, JSchwartzberg1. All right. And, of course, uh, thanks today to uh, Bob Nightingale. Thanks also to Bo Smolka. We'll get that up in the Greatest Hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. What's coming up on the bat around tomorrow? Uh, from Locked on the Orioles podcast, he's also the play-by-play man for uh, Hopkins Sports. Connor Newcomb's going to join us. Uh, Stan the Fan is going to join us in the 10 o'clock hour as well. I can't imagine what we're going to talk about Yeah, tomorrow. a little bit to talk about tomorrow for sure. That's tomorrow, 10 to noon, with uh, Paul and Zach for the bat around. We'll be back Monday morning. Jeremy Connell join us and stuff and things. Um, I, I also want to give a shout-out, as we uh, always do our thank yous at the end of the show. Ryan Shell is back with us in a part-time capacity. For those that have been longtime listeners, Ryan was my producer for years on the radio. And Ryan is now going to be helping us out a little bit as kind of a consultant moving forward with booking. And so that's a good thing. Uh, Ryan, for those that don't know, he's working uh, full-time back here in Baltimore at WBAL after spending a few years down in Charlotte. So happy to have him back and helping out in a little bit the way that he can and appreciate WBAL allowing him to do that so we don't have to hide it and pretend like it's not occurring. They did not need to approve that. So it was very nice of them to do so for both us and for him, frankly. So good stuff there. All right. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Or follow Paul. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley III. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Did I thank the sponsors and partners? Did I do that? I don't oh, even know if did I did. Man, I am slipping in my old age. Thanks to Glory Days Grill. Thanks to Royal Farms. Thanks to Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line Canine, your local Toyota dealer, and buyatoyota.com. Don't forget, know the risks. Have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. All right. Have a great weekend. Go all the local hoops and uh, lacrosse teams. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.